is. Episode 205, if it ain't Hotshot Scott Soden. <laughs> we made it. Another episode. Here yes, we are. Hey. Yes. A Tuesday release this week. That's right. Yeah. Actually, next week, too. Really? Monday Night Football. Oh, right. We ain't, we ain't releasing a show before <laughs> Russell Wilson comes to town. Yeah, yeah. So be ready to be recording late into the evening on Monday Ooh. night after right. the football game. You going to be able to do that? I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Episode 205 of, uh, of Mitch Unfiltered with Hot Shot Scott. Why do I feel like you've never seen the movie Jaws? Have you seen the movie Jaws? That feels like well, when that's you... That's a strange place to start. Yes, I saw the movie Jaws. You did. Yeah, you... It's, it's about that big uh, shark thing. <laughs> the big shark thing. Yes, yeah. correct. I also saw, where is it? Universal Studios. And it comes right out of the water oh, on your trolley. sure does. Have you ever yeah. taken the trolley and the thing the, comes right the out? The tram, of the... yes. Tram. Yeah. Have tram, you... trolley. What's the difference? Well, it's called the tram ride, the tram not the trolley ride. ride. Okay, yeah, but then if you notice, the murder she wrote, where she rides the bike, is right near, right next to the, the shark thing too. You remember the show Murder She Wrote? Yeah, I remember the show. I don't remember that being there. Yeah, it's right next yeah. to it. Anyway, I saw Jaws. You uh, mean Murder? She wrote. Yes, I do. Pat Summerall. Yes. Yeah, on the call. Yeah. I, I saw uh, Jaws in the theater at Factoria Cinemas with Piper. And they re-released it for a week. Really? Yeah, pretty cool. I didn't know that. Richard Dreyfus. Oh, sure, Richard Dreyfus. He's good. Yeah. And uh, Roy Scheider. And you're gonna t- yes. And you're gonna tell me that Piper at age twelve, thirteen, thirteen, yes, was not scared at all. We all freaked out. The whole world freaked oh, out when that thing came. An out. An entire generation, like people wouldn't go in pools. No, I wasn't going in. There. I, I haven't been <laughs> in a pool since. People didn't want to take bath baths in their own home because the shark was going to somehow. And you're gonna come tell through. me she thought the whole thing was just corny and no not believable she didn't and the, you don't see the shark for the first hour first of all because it, i don't know if yeah. you know the story it, yeah, yeah, yeah it didn't work so but so they had to keep filming though they got it like they could not get this enormous yeah. piece of machinery to work right so they didn't you didn't see the shark but when you do see it it's not it's not as hokey as you might think so she actually enjoyed it and plus there's no well i'm not happy unless she had nightmares last night and didn't sleep. <laughs> i asked her if she had nightmares i was kind of hoping we were sitting by a couple who was like 22 23 they had never seen it before. i didn't know that they re-released jaws yeah and and she jumped and piper jumped at the same time so no she got a little scared i still haven't been in a in a cinema in a theater since pre-pandemic oh you haven't not I haven't one time ton. yeah only a couple not for me. one single movie and i and i'm a big you know me i'm a big movie goer yeah i am <laughs> That's right, you are. But no, they, they released it in IMAX, which we didn't oh. see. That was too far. Uh, or also, they have this thing called Real D slash 3D. I don't know what that is. Oh, my you God. You put the glasses on? Yeah, I put the glasses on. But it's it's not your red and green ones no, of the 50s. No, It just looks, it's like you're on the boat. I mean, it looks like you're standing oh. next to Roy Scheider. I don't know how they do Maybe this. I'll go see it again. It was really cool. And plus, you're, you're stuck for two hours. Like, no phone, no distractions. Oh, you're, you love that. You're watching it the way it's meant to be watched. Anyway, so good. If, it's very limited release, though. So and I think he did it with E.T. as well. I think they release it in that 3D. Anyway, did Steven Spielberg do it? No. Well, I'm sure he's involved. They're both his. Yeah. Oh, they are both his. Yeah. I didn't know that Jaws was his. Oh, it was early on. Yeah, oh. it might have been his second after one about a car. I can't remember what that was called. Hmm. Anyway, it looks great if you have a chance to go see it in okay. IMAX or 3D. Yes. Episode 205. You ready for a little stump the band? Yes, sir. I have a very simple question. You won't get it right, but I have a very simple question. Okay. When I say simple in the reading of the, the question itself is simple. The answer may not be. Who is the undisputed best home team in the American League? In other words, as we record this episode 205, yeah. which American League team has the very best home record in baseball? Well, Do you know the answer to that question? I don't. I would just simply be guessing. Take one guess. It's probably not the Mariners, but you're bringing it up for some reason. Yes, not- I am. Mariners. 
because there's two parts to this question. This okay. is the first part. The answer is the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. You probably wouldn't have guessed them in them. No, because... You take 10 guesses. You well, didn't even know they existed. Because as silly as it is to guess the Mariners, it'd be yeah. equally as silly to guess the Rays because they have kind of similar records, right? Yes, and you probably wouldn't think of, I don't know, the Tropicana field, whatever they call it. Some now. amazing home and field advantage there, right? The I mean, Rays are 44 and 24 at home this year. Wow. Okay. That's good. Just to put that in its proper context, uh-huh. the next best team at home is 40 and 29. Okay. So they are a full five, four and a half games better than second uh-huh. best in the American. The very best, no doubt about it, best American League home team is the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. Now, before you ask me why I'm asking you this, let me give you part B of the question. Of all the playoff teams as of today, so if you said if the season ended today, which it doesn't, is stupid to talk about, Mm -hmm. and you look at all the playoff teams in both the National League and the American League, Mm -hmm. okay, if I asked you which of those teams is the very worst road team this season of all the playoff caliber teams, that's a tough one. The very worst. I the mean, very worst road team yeah. of all the playoff caliber teams. Don't think hard about it. I'm going to give you the answer. <laughs> Thank you. That's my specialty, not thinking hard. <laughs> okay. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. Ah, okay. It kind of evens itself out then. That sort of makes Correct. sense. Gotcha. Okay. So I just told you that the Tampa Ray- Bay Rays mm-hmm. are the best home team in the American League. Yep. And I just told you that the Tampa Bay Rays are the worst road team of all playoff teams in Major League Baseball. Wow. Now it should it should be becoming uh, it should become obvious to you why I'm asking you this this stump the band question. Do you see a light bulb above my head yet? No, not yet. Okay, okay I'm, I'm I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> the Rays and the Mariners are in a virtual deadlock for right. the number one and number two wild card. And what did we know? That the number two wild card will play a best of three series at the number one wild card, and the number one wild card hosts all three games. Right. Think about the difference. Yeah. The Rays and the Mariners are jockeying right now for position. Think about how big. When people say, ah, it doesn't matter. Let them be a wild card. They could do some damage. It doesn't matter whether they're wild card one or wild card two. I just gave you the reason why not only it matters, it matters more than anything. Yeah, it's huge. The Rays will be overwhelming favorites, probably, to beat the Mariners in a three-game series in Tampa. Yeah. And the Mariners will be overwhelming favorites to beat the Rays in a best-of-three series if that series is in Seattle. So there, don't let anybody try to tell you it doesn't matter who finishes higher between the Rays and the Mariners. I like it, and I will not let anyone tell me that. And I will continue to root for the Mariners is what you're saying. they got to keep winning, right? Keep winning, and boy, they've been winning a lot. Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. We really need to be rated. We really need to be reviewed. Five stars, please, on that Apple Podcasts platform. It helps. It really does help. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for $5 a month. And have access to all the bonus shows each week. And by the way, that grows by two. We're starting football oh, season football now. Season, yes. So not only do we have Danny O'Neill and the Peace Show, not only do we have shooting the shit with Slickhawk and me, but now we've got the Randy Mueller show coming back. We've got Seahawks No Table coming nice. back. So uh, essentially for $5 a month, you're getting four or five weekly shows. You're getting 20, 25 shows a month. For $5 a month. That's a pretty, come on, that's a hell of a deal. It's a hell of a deal. That's a hell of a deal. And I feel less guilty about not doing music shows now because there's so much extra content. So thank you for taking that off of me, taking the pressure off. Very nice of you.
Oh, you'll be happy to know I did give three hours to the, uh, my new music episode over the weekend. Three really hours I gave. Now? Yeah, I didn't realize that was so how long far do you behind. need to do it? I I mean, you know, you can't you can't rush great artists like myself. <laughs> Like, you're cool with just kind of putting a hunk of shit out there as long as it's Excuse done. Excuse me. Not me. I obsess over details and I want it to be great. So How I close are we? If I could just sit down and... What's, this, what's the next one coming out? Part uh, two? Uh, Joe Elliott part two. Yeah, I didn't hear Joe Elliott part one. Really? I was very proud of it. Some of the clips I found are I'm very impressed with myself. I got to go back and I don't, think I, heard, I don't think I heard Joe Elliott part one. I think you might... I think you'd like it more than you think you would. Okay. Because you, you'll recognize Def Leppard songs. I mean... Okay. And then the part two gets into Hysteria, their next album, which was way more radio friendly and had all like pour some sugar on me and all that. I think you like it more more than you would think you would. So please go back. You've only had a year to listen to it. So go back and listen. When? Has it been a year? No, I don't think it has been. When do you think? Part I, two. I can't give you a date. I don't oh, know. Okay. But I am working on it. I'm, I'm re-inspired. The Little League World Series killed me in my dreams. So I have nothing to obsess over. So I'm back. Okay. Well, now that you're back, let me tell you what else is back. Okay. Beat the Boys is back, ah. presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Does everybody remember Beat football the Boys? Season is awesome. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I got my fantasy football league oh. draft uh, tonight. Oh, as you we do. Record this, yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I haven't done any research. Really? Yeah, I'm unpre- but, totally unprepared. But you don't have to anymore, right? The way that the website they do it just, for you. Yeah, they tell you who like they, they, they auto pick it for you. Do whatever the hell. Remember you Remember the day when you had to get your like four magazines out? You're yeah. looking through Street and Smith. Street and Smith. Yeah, Lindy's yeah. is that one of Lindy's. them? Oh, Lindy's. Yeah. yeah, the best when the magazine. Well, beat came the out. boys is back. It's a very simple competition that we've been doing for what now, like four years. I think so. Yeah. Really, really simple ga- uh, game. The beauty is in its simplicity. Very simply, I pick three games each week, three NFL games. I put them online, and you go and pick the winners, not with lines, not with spreads, yep. not with odds. Just very simple, three what, what I would call difficult games to choose. Right. You got to pick them. We'll do three games a week for 18 weeks. That's 54 games. Yep. And everybody in our audience who wins, who picks more winners than everybody in the boys, and I'll define the boys here in a second, wins a prize. That means if 5,000 people beat us, 5,000 people win a prize. That means if 500 people beat us, 500 win a prize. Last year, I think about 38 people beat us. Okay. So 38 people won a prize. And when I say prizes, I'm talking about we have a cash prize, we have Daniel's gift cards. Wow. We have Zeke's gift cards. We've got patron subscriptions. I'm going to give you another prize here in a second. All you got to do is go in and just check off the three games, the winners of three games. Now, you need a password each week to do it. I give the password on this section of the show every single week. Mm-hmm. The first password this week is Mitch. The first three games, I can tell you what they are. The Patriots at the Dolphins. Oh. The Buccaneers at the Cowboys. Good one. And the Broncos at the Seahawks. Oh, boy. I Those that's are the three happening. games. Okay. And where do they go to pick these games? Well, you can go to MitchUnfiltered.com okay. to register the first week. Once you register the first week, you'll know exactly where to go. But you will need to punch in the password okay. each week to do it. Now, how do you win? Everybody who beats all of the boys over 54 games. Now, let's say you miss a week. Let's say you miss this week. Yeah. Then you only have 51 games. But you're getting a point. For every time you pick one correctly. Yeah, and you probably would have got all three wrong anyway, so don't worry about so it. So it doesn't matter yeah, if you yeah. miss a week, yeah. but you do have to beat all six boys. And the boys are defined as Mitch, Scott, Steve, producer Steve, uh-huh. Slickhawk, Danny O'Neill, Max Levy. <gasps> the ringer. You're bringing him in. I brought him in. 
He's like I invited Max Levy to the team. And he won't forget to get his picks. Yes, in. he will. Oh, he will. Okay. Yes, he will. <laughs> we got something in common then. He and no I. question he will. <laughs> oh, so you have to beat all six of us. You have to come up with more correct picks over 54 games than all six of us. And if you do that, you win a prize no matter where you stand. Okay? I love it. You got it? I'm ready. Okay. I have a, a, another prize that I want to share. I got this email from a listener. And it was subject, Leroy Neiman's FX McCrory print. Do you remember that? I can picture it. You can. I think I think in the print, there's a guy on one of those ladders yes. getting a bottle. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Leroy Neiman. I always incredible. wondered, why would Leroy Neiman ever do an FX McCrory's painting? Yeah. I don't really understand that. Is How he did a he Seattle come? guy? I don't th- is he a Seattle guy? I don't think he's a Seattle guy. He's not, okay. Maybe he is. Maybe I don't know that. I, I think he did like a Largent one. I think he, Did he really? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, this listener wrote me an email, and it went like this. I'd like to offer you a Leroy Neiman FX McCrory print. It's about the size of a 50-inch flat-screen TV. It's signed by Leroy Neiman himself. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. He's not signing much anymore. You know that. Uh, he did pass, yes. Uh, it's triple matted and framed. I began listening to your old radio show in 1996. Milk Creek became our home after I retired from the Navy. I'm now and have been living in California. I moved here to care for my ailing mother until she passed. Circumstances being what they are, I stayed here. I purchased this piece and have loved having it ever since. Now, however, I think it will be better served with you. I thought of the dinners that you've hosted at Daniel's Broiler and gave out gifts and prizes. It's your choice to do with whatever you wish. It will look beautiful in an office or living room anywhere for you and any of your listeners. Even if you were to give it to charity of your choice, that would be fine. No restrictions on my part. I'll cover the packaging and shipping, he writes. I've adored this print and wish it to be given to a good home. Signed, Tim. Well, our listeners are going to love that. I mean... It's really, you would think he's not a Seattleite, by the way, New Yorker through and through. Okay. But right. he, he did paint Largent, which is why I was, he did. He did, yes. Well, I have now. So we now have this donation of a 50-inch Leroy Neiman FX McCrory's print that Leroy signed himself wow. to add to the collection of prizes if you beat the boys. It's all presented by Fireside Home Solutions. It's amazing. That's a really cool thing. Very, very cool thing. Yeah. So there you go. Password for week number one. Yep. Is Mitch all lowercase? Okay. Patriots, Dolphins, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Broncos, and Seahawks. Guests on this episode 205. Do you know the story of the Ichiro girl? We talked about it on the last episode, yes. Okay. All right. Her She's... name is uh, Iris, maybe? Iris Skinner. There you, you got go. it. Yep. Very good. You got that trivia question right. <laughs> that stuff I know, yes. <laughs> the Ichiro girl, Iris Skinner, will be our guest on episode 205. Awesome. Seahawks, no table time. Joe Fan and Brady Anderson. What kind of a reception will Russell Wilson get on Monday night? What about his new contract? Rick Neuheisel on the crazy college football weekend, including the U-Dubs triumphant debut. Wow. Kalen DeBoer. I had so much fun watching college football. Did you? I didn't even really plan on it, but I had the house to myself. Michael Penix Jr., did you like him? Looked amazing. To me, it's the best. Lefties kind of look odd throwing for some reason. They do. It's tough to catch it when you first try to catch it, too. It just, it's something, the yeah, I know, it's just, <laughs> but what, it was a fun weekend. I watched the Cougs were on, and then the, the Ohio State. You watched some sports this weekend? It's crazy, I know. Other than your daughter playing softball? And I watched the, the Mariners were on, too, really? at the same time. Look at you. Had the storm the next day. I, I think I'm back. I think I like sports again. It, 
Ichiro Girl, Seahawks No Table, Rick Neuheisel, and Peter King, Football Morning right. in America. He'll preview the entire NFL season, which begins with the Rams and the Bills, the Super Bowl champs, and the favorites to win this year's Super Bowl, the Rams and the Bills, on Thursday night. It ends with the Broncos and Seahawks. But before we start, a couple of words about our partners like Zeke's Pizza. It's amazing how much Zeke's has grown since we started the podcast four years ago. Two brand new locations opened its doors on the same day a couple of weeks back. Seward Park and a biggie at Mount Lakes Terrace Station. And now news of a Boise, Idaho location. The first out-of-state Zeke's Pizza on the horizon, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, a Northwest staple for the best steaks and seafood. Listen, one of the most successful events that Daniel's hosts is the Bourbon Bash in Bellevue every year. For the first time, the Bourbon Bash comes to the downtown Seattle location this Saturday night. You can buy tickets at DanielsBroiler.com this Saturday, September the 10th, downtown at the Hyatt. NFL season is here. Beat the boys is back. Code word Mitch, all lowercase. Get your first week's picks in now and begin your search with John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions. They're amazing. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage. Interest rates have leveled off. Let Jordan Flowers Cross Country team aid you in your purchase or refinance. Second homes, seven minutes, all you need with the lead man, Jordan Flowers, at 425-890-2957. That's 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Episode 205, here comes the NFL season and beat the boys. And it starts right now. Unfiltered. I'm not saying he's an idiot. I'm not saying the agent's an idiot. I love the fact that he did this deal. I love the fact that the Mariners got him. The Mariners got an unbelievable deal. Unfiltered. If you tell me, hey, Russell Wilson may reinvent himself in the next couple of years, start playing the position differently than we've seen him in Seattle. He's going to start using short routes. He's going to see guys over the middle. He's going to get rid of the ball quickly. He's going to throw the ball away instead of trying to escape. And if he does those things, then I, I, I think what you're what you're saying is the contract is not going to be a problem, and I agree with that. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 205 is now officially underway with Hot Shot Scott. Were you invited to the, the annual Labor Day Malibu Chili Cook-Off in California, the star-studded event that happens every year? It's a chili cook-off in beautiful Malibu. You weren't there? I thought for sure you would have been invited. Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson, Mel Gibson was there Tom for some Hanks. reason. I like Tom Hanks. Yeah, I, I can see you like it. Bosom Buddies with Donna Dixon and the other guy, the Pe- cool. Peter Scolari. Peter Scolari, nice yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Did Peter or, or Tom go on to do anything else besides Bosom Buddies? I don't know. I think Tom might have, yeah, he yes. Did. He did. Although, I, he just played, I want to see that new Elvis movie. Have you seen the, I mean, it's... it's. Yeah, I mean, he plays Colonel... Tom uh, Parker, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have not seen it, no. I haven't seen it. I, I'm always skeptical of those. They try to fit in an entire lifetime in 90 minutes, and they're always kind of... You do that on musical podcasts. 
Some of them are two parts, though. Some of them are two parts. So, <laughs> so he has a what? A chili? A chili thing? Well, it's not him, but he just happened to be there. It's he called, and Rita. It's, it's the Malibu Chili Cookoff. They have it the every Malibu year. Malibu Chili Cookoff. I mean, your buddy Brian Austin Green, Jamie Foxx—they were all walking around. No, I don't know. Either. By the way, Mel Gibson. When did we decide to just let him off the hook for all of his crazy? Did we let him off the hook? He acts now. I mean, he's in movies. He's back. Mel, beautiful Mel with the blue eyes. I know he's. Uh, when did we decide? Like, why wasn't he canceled forever? People have done much worse than him, and people had been canceled. Right? I feel like he's been canceled. No, I, he he does those uh, those movies with I think is it Will Ferrell where like the the two dads and I don't know. I feel like he's back anyway. He was floating around there, so I thought I thought maybe no, you you, not, you no, weren't invited. I wasn't invited. Uh, okay, well now ask me if I would have gone if I was invited. <laughs> That's I think I'd have to answer. leave the house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Mariners are amazing. They're red hot. Crazy. They're the number one wild card as of this recording. They would host Tampa. We found out why that's important yep. in the Stump the Band section of the show in a three-game series. Do you know, did you know, that on June 19th, you know where you were on June 19th? I know where you were on June 19th. I don't even know what that was. You know was. why I know where you were? Why? Because you were right in front of me. June 19th okay. was a Sunday. The Mariners had just lost for the third consecutive day mm. To a very bad Angels team. I remember that. They lost a doubleheader, I think, in there. Yes. Yep, I remember that. Remember Mike Trout went off. I think he homered in just about every game. Per not usual, Multiple yeah. times in yeah, every yeah. game. And on June 19th, we recorded a podcast. Uh-huh. Hopefully, producer Steve won't stick in right now <laughs> clips from that particular podcast. You told him to burn it, I thought. The Masters. <laughs> I don't think you can do that in podcast. Oh, you can't. Shoot. Because on that day, Hotshot, I'll mm-hmm. have you know yeah. that they fell to 29 and 39, and I asked for the firing, the dismissal. You wanted heads on pikes. Everybody. Yeah. I was at Wits End. Do you remember that? Of course, yeah. I wanted Jerry out, and I wanted Scott Service out. Now, I will say, I will repeat something that I said which is, I think I said something like, I don't even know that Scott Service isn't a good manager, and I don't even know that Jerry DePoto isn't a good general manager. All I know is it's not working here, right. and I'm done. That's right. And I'm just done. Same old Mariners. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing my hands up. Yep. I want change. I want change. That was July 19th. They were 29 and 39 at that moment that we recorded that podcast. Would you like to know what their record is since? <laughs> well, yes, I would. <laughs> 47 and 19. Jeez. Since I fired everybody. 47. To give you a sense of how good 47 and 19 is. Okay. That's 7-12 winning percentage. 0.712. Unreal. Over the course of a season, you know how many you win? According to Larry Stone... If you have a .712 winning percentage? What would that be? 116 games. Wow. The record. The record. Who owns the record? Yeah, well, that would be a team in Seattle, yes. Since I fired everybody and threw my hands up, they have played 7-12 baseball, 47 wow. and 19 cents. I think you threw out a number, too, that we kind of laughed about, that they would have to play at a certain level. To be able to even be in a race for a play. Right. This is this is not this has become ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's I ridiculous. Know. It's that's not it makes zero sense. And if that's not all, I'm going to give you stump the band question number three, okay. which is not really a stump the band question as much as it is just an in- incredible factoid. Okay. How many American League teams? How many years have we been playing Major League Baseball? I don't know, 120 years. 700 years? Yeah, I know. Who knows? How many American League teams in history 
have had multiple undefeated road trips that have lasted six or more games in one season. Did you understand what I just said? Yeah. Multiple 6-0 and or better road trips in one season. How many teams in American League history have done this? This comes from Alex Mayer of the Seattle Mariners. I want to make sure that he gets his credit. How many teams in American League history... As you know, the Mariners just returned from a road trip yeah. where they finished, I believe, 6-0. Six and oh, yeah. And that was the second time they've done it this year. Wow. They've had at least two perfect road trips of six games or more in one baseball season. And they join how many other teams that have done that in American League history? I mean, because they've been playing baseball. The answer for... is zero. <laughs> okay, zero. That's unreal. They are the only team in American League history to ever Go on wow. two perfect road trips of at least six games in one calendar season, in one baseball season. That's unreal. The 2022 Mariners. Yeah. That's a... I mean, they also had, I think they had the longest win streak into the All-Star break, too. Was that another record that they, I think, Might they have, yeah, oh yeah, it definitely was. Like four, Was it 16 games or 14 Something like games? that, yeah. Heading into a, an All-Star break. This is unbelievable. It's crazy. So we could start right there, or we could start with Russell Wilson. I'm assuming you're not going to Monday night's football game between the Broncos and the Seahawks? I will not be going to that. I had tickets until just the other day. Put them on the NFL ticket exchange. Sure, yeah. 900 bucks later per ticket. Really? Yep. Good for you. It's great because you'll get negative nine for the rest of the season. (laughs) So it it actually works out, right? Now you're even. You'll be even for the season. If you and I went with my two tickets, which we're not going to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get paid to watch it at home. Yes. Um, what would you do? See, he's not really introduced. There's no time where the for NFL... For the sake opponent. of this, you can just... What if he was introduced? So he runs out onto the field for the first time, or he he's a captain, he goes out to midfield for the coin toss, yeah. or whatever. What would you do? I boo like crazy. Really? But I see it, But if he gets inducted into the Seahawks circle of fame, or whatever the whatever hell that, that is... is yeah. Ring of circle, ring, ring, ring of, of honor. honor. Ring yeah. of honor, yeah. We'll, we'll get it after four tries. Yeah. I would cheer like crazy. I'll always love Russell Wilson. Really? But you'd boo him on Monday I would, night? Of course. Why? He's coming into the, the, the team that I root for his home. Beat it. Let's beat his ass. Really? Of course. Yes, I would boo. For Junior too? Yeah, Junior, probably more so for Junior. He forced his way out and that always annoyed Gary me. Gary Payton? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, I doesn't matter down the line, but again, that doesn't mean I don't love him and I wouldn't root for him, you know, like in a hall of fame type setting, or if they came back, I would root for him, but you know, let's, do you think you're in the majority or do you think you're in the minority? I'm probably, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, I was going to ask you what you thought. Cause I was curious I think too. He's going to get an ovation. You think it'll be half and half or mostly ovation? God, I can't imagine. I've told this story like three times on this particular podcast. When I went back to Washington, DC, now you maybe you'll tell me baseball is different because there's so many games. But yeah. remember, I went back to Washington D.C. after Juan Soto. Oh, with with the great seats. How could I forget? Yes, I remember. <laughs> Go on, forget it. I'm not even doing it. <laughs> yeah, but thirty-eight thousand people stood and cheered for that guy. Yeah, after he kind of forced his way out, but he had won a world championship there, just like Russell Wilson had won a world yeah. championship here. No. But are, are, are they good this year? They're not good, are they? His team, that was part of the reason he wanted out, right? His his old team, Soto's old team. I mean, Russell's like, the Broncos will probably be good, and it just feels different for some reason. And again, I love Russell Wilson. I don't th- I'm not in the anti-Russell Wilson camp, but I am going to boo him. It's fun to boo him. He left. He's now the enemy. I don't hate him. I'm just, I would boo him. I want the Seahawks. Do you want the Seahawks to win or lose, or do you care? No, I want them to win, definitely. Okay, well then let's boo the enemy. So you're saying that by booing him, 
you're giving them a favorable opportunity to win, a more favorable opportunity to win the game. That's where I am for you those three hours. You don't want to make him feel good. Correct. An ovation that makes him feel good might lift him up and, and improve his performance on that given evening at Lumen Field. I think you might be overthinking it a tad bit. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not deliberate. I'm asking because that's what, that's what you're kind of saying. I don't think he's, it's going to help or hurt his performance whether I boo or cheer at all right. or whether the, or the, whether crowd, the crowd does. does. Yeah, but I think you send a message. Look, we love you, but you left. You're now the enemy. That's how I look at it. And again, I will root Hall of Fame. All okay. I, I will always all love right. Russell Wilson for bringing this guy his only Super Bowl championship. But I would boo him if I was at the game for sure. It'd be fun to boo him, Mr. Russell Wilson. It would be fun to beat him. Okay, I'd well, like to beat the Broncos on Monday. You know, I don't expect much from this team. No, I think they'll probably be something like a seven and ten football team. I do think they're going to win more than like Vegas is predicting. I think the over under is five and a half, something mm, like that. Okay, I think if I were in Vegas. Or if I was at the Snoqualmie Casino and I was offered five and a half yeah. over under, I would definitely take the over. Mm. I think the Seahawks, especially when you consider that they're playing the Jets at home, the Giants at home, the Falcons at home, and the Panthers at home. Those are four shit teams at home. Yeah. I think that they'll probably be a little better than Vegas expects. Okay. So I don't expect much of them. But if you said to me, Mitch, they can win one game. <laughs> and I probably should reserve that for the Rams or the 49ers, or the Cardinals, right. you know, the Euro. I don't know. I would love to see them kick his ass. I would so love I would love to see them sack him eight times. Yep. I want to see him hold the ball, try to escape, and Daryl Taylor just pummels him. I, I'd like to see him go down a lot, get hit a lot on Monday so night. You want, him, you want people to put the, the lay the wood to him. I just want to boo the guy. You want worse I don't think than I, I want do. to boo the guy. I, I would not boo the guy. <laughs> but you want him to get his ass kicked. I would definitely not boo the guy. Okay, but you want him to get his ass kicked. That's almost worse than booing him. I don't want him to get hurt. I just no, want I know, them to but just want, knock him around a little bit. Getting sacked can hurt. You know, getting yeah, hit hard can yeah, hurt, turns yeah. out. Yeah. I would love it too. And that's yeah. this is why I'm kind of bummed that Gino's the starter. I thought it would have been way more intriguing and fun if it was the guy from the Broncos that's here now who no one gives two shits about. Right. If he somehow finds a way to beat Russell Wilson and the Broncos, I mean, maybe he will. Maybe he'll be in the second half. Who knows? But I thought that would have been so intriguing, at least just for the fans. But anyway, yes, I would love to to beat Russell as well and beat him badly. Are the Broncos supposed to be good? I mean, you you follow it closer. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they're supposed to be good. But the problem is they're in that division that Peter Chiefs King is going to call on this show. You're going to hear Peter King say it is the best division top to bottom since the NFL went to four. Went to four divisions in each conference. Wow, it's saying something. He thinks that any one of the four teams in the AFC West could win the division and win playoff games. All four of them. Wow. The Raiders are good. The Chargers are good. The Broncos are improved. And, of course and the, the Chiefs, Chiefs yeah. are the Chiefs. Wow. But this is a, just a killer conference, hmm. and they're going to beat up on each other. So, but but we have you know we have double the reason to root for the Seahawks. Don't forget the Seahawks have the Broncos' first round draft choice next year. So not only do you uh, want the Broncos to be bad, but here's another reason that you'd like them to get off to a bad start yeah. against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, that tangibly will help the Seahawks and their pick. In fact, it could very well this this game could have an impact on what quarterback they get. Right, the, the next great quarterback, whether it's Bryce, Bryce Young, Young or CJ Stroud. Oh, I love them all. Right, these are yeah. these are now. Now you might say, well, hold on a second, Mitch. Hold on a second. By beating the Broncos and you have their first round draft choice, you're helping yourself. But by beating the Broncos, you have your own first round draft choice, and you're having a better record <laughs> by beating the Broncos. Right? Yes. So I don't know. Yeah, you can't win. No. 
But I'm excited. Can't but wait I, to see. And I can tell you that I sat all night Saturday night. How long are college football games these days? I don't know, three and a half hours? I think like closer to four hours. Why really? are they so slow? College football games seem a lot longer than NFL games. I'm not sure. Is it because they stop the clock after every first down? or Maybe. what? Is, what is it about college games that make them so effing long? Well, but do we know they're longer or do they oh, just feel longer? No, they're longer. Okay. They're definitely know. longer. But I watched every minute of the Washington game. Yep. I was excited about uh, Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. I was very excited about Kalen DeBoer. I, I mean, I don't know who Kent State is. Right. I just would have liked to have recognized some of the names on the Huskies. It seemed like every single guy was like, okay, he transferred in from so-and-so. Did you, he transferred in from another place. I mean, I, it's did like. Did you see my tweet where I said that? I swear to God, it felt like every third guy they talked about yes. was a transfer. No, I did not see your tweet. It, it, you're right, though. I felt the same way. Every, and I think that's just the way it is in college football. That's not the husk. That's what people were saying, that that's right. just that's the just portal the way now. And I didn't know anybody. I know. Crazy, right? It's, I was saying, I think it's a good sign that people want to come here. You know, it wasn't like he transferred from Eastern Washington or, right. you know, it was like Texas A&M or Texas Tech or, you know, like decent programs that yeah. they came from. Virginia. Yeah. I, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a good I was sign. expecting to see Chris Polk and Jake Locker. and <laughs> Right. <laughs> where are those somebody, guys? Where, yeah. where all, I mean, I, I literally felt like I didn't know any yeah. of the guys on the team. I know. I mean, I knew the quarterbacks. Right. And it was a little bit – I felt a little sad for the Heward kid. Really? Did you feel a little sad for him? Nope. Well, they brought in the other guy at the end when it was a blowout, yeah. Dylan Morris. Is that his name? Yeah. Dylan Morris, the Mariner. Dylan Morris, the Mariner. <laughs> yeah, Dylan, Dylan Morris, Morris yeah. is the quarterback. And you have Sam Heward, the five-star recruit, the local boy, the son of a Husky legend, like on the sidelines, gesturing in the plays to both the first and the second. It just felt a little like, and and now the rumblings are, and I don't know whether this is right or not, some of the Husky like tie people that I, I see at golf courses and so forth, like yeah. he's not as good as everybody thought he was. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I feel I, bad. If anything, you should feel bad for Dylan Morris, who was the starter last year. Yeah, and now he's. I mean, I know Penix is good, and he probably can live with who's who beat him out. But still, once you're the starter, and then you're not the starter, yeah, that, that hurts I see too. That. I see that. Yeah, that that sucks. I mean, at least Heward's a young guy. He's got a couple more years, and these yeah, guys will be he's gone. Like and, so deep on the depth chart now. Yeah. But Penix was aw- Penix was awesome. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I as I said, lefties. I don't know for whatever reason, just the way they throw it looks a little bit awkward. Yeah. The way Penix throws it looks a little awkward to me. But it was a good first game. They're going to play some com- uh, tomato can again this week, and then Michigan State in two weeks. I'm hoping to go to that one. That's so the one I we'll go see. To. And Michigan right. State's in the top fifteen in the nation. Yeah. So we'll kind of see what the Huskies are all about in a couple of weeks' time. A guy on Twitter said, you know, I he's excited for the team, but he goes, I know it's Kent State. And I said, look, they lost to Montana in the opener. It's okay to get excited. They could have I easily lost to Kent State. and the, I mean, they kicked our ass like you're supposed to. It's okay. Yeah. Well, let's just see. The, the Montana thing was devastating. Yeah. You knew the season was over week one when they lost to Montana. That, that's it. So, yeah, be excited for this team. Who so cares? I, so I watched a lot of Mariners. I watched a, I watched a lot of college football. Me too. I watched the Washington Huskies. Let me tell you what else I watched, at least the, the end of. On Sunday. I know what you're going to say. Brutal. What the hell? I had to go back and watch it um, on tape or whatever. The I, I re- Seattle Storm against the Las Vegas Aces. There's no way they lose that game. I don't want to use the word choke. Oh, it's brutal. So we'll use the word collapse instead of choke. 
But were they not four up with 11 seconds to go in a playoff game and found a way to lose and then just decided not to play defense at all? Like, not even to put their hands up on I defense? Know. Just let the, the Vegas team score repeatedly, not play D? What the hell was that? I don't know. I, I mean, we don't really talk about Storm basketball, and I don't want to be the guy that, oh, the first time you talk about Storm basketball, you're just killing them. But it's hard. it was hard to watch that game and not just come away going, all right, if this were... I don't know. If this were the Seattle Sonics, imagine if this were the Seattle Sonics and it was like game three of a playoff series back in 95, 96, 97, and we were doing KJR Morning Show the next day. Yeah. Imagine what we would have said and what the names that we would have called these guys yeah. the next morning on KJR if they had done what I watched the Storm do on Sunday. I could not believe it. A basketball version of a prevent. Like, it was awful. It just, was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, when, when Sue Bird, 41-year-old Sue Bird hits the three, you're like, oh, well, it's meant to be. It's home. Sue just hit a three. It's on. Like, they're, they're going to win this game. But it just How easy was that next basket, the girl curling, curling to the basket, and the defender just, A, just lets her go, and B, then pulls her arms down, doesn't want to even have her hands up, yeah. I guess for fear of a foul or whatever, just gave her the layup to tie the game. But it goes beyond that. They were up four with 11 seconds to go. Yeah. How do you lose up four with 11 <laughs> seconds to go? No clue. All right. It was devastating, but they're still Terrible. in it. What is it, two to one? It's two to one, but you got to think that they're done. Well, they got another one at home, I would assume, right? You got another one at home yeah. this week, and then... They, they did manage to get one in yeah, Las but when Vegas. Yeah, but when you lose a game yeah, like this... Uh, that hurts. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't know. I think I saw a stat. Choke job. There's seven number one overall picks out there between the two teams. That's pretty That's pretty impressive. Seven number one overall picks in the WNBA draft are playing in this series. Sue Bird's one of them. From, well, Kelsey Plum. She was number one overall. Kelsey Plum against Sue Bird is kind of an interesting matchup, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't really work out for her in San Antonio. And then she sort of found her way. With, I mean, she was... They were thinking maybe bust was what she was yeah. going to be. And then She's like the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history or something like that? I don't know about that. No, I may be wrong. Pro I may, I may probably UW history, I would say. Definitely UW history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's a good player. Really good, yeah. She's really good with the ball. She handles the ball beautifully. Quick release. Yeah, and yeah no, it's yeah. fun series. Anyway, let's do four interviews. Can we do four interviews and then we'll do the other stuff segment? We've got uh, the Ichiro girl, Iris Skinner. We've got the Seahawks note table with Fan and Henderson previewing the, the Broncos-Seahawks game. New Heisel on the Washington Huskies and everything else that's going on. Did you hear that college football is going to a 12-team playoff? How about that? Yeah, that's incredible. We'll talk to Rick Neuheisel about that. And then Peter King previews the NFL season, which begins on Thursday night with the Rams and the Bills on this episode 205. And here she is, senior financial planner for Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. How's everyone doing over there at Evergreen? Things getting a little better in the investing world, Katie? You know, we're, we're hanging in there. It's been a pretty bumpy ride, though, Mitch. Yeah. It's been an interesting summer, to say the least. Yes. Katie has three stump the band questions from the financial world, and I am ready. Is there a topic this time around? Yes. So we're doing a market update. It's been a very volatile ride across all financial markets this year. So I'm going to kind of quiz you on topics I've asked you about earlier this year just okay. to see how things have changed. Okay. Question number one. I'm ready. I've asked you several times this year, we've discussed U.S. consumer inflation. It's been really high this year. In May, the inflation increase was 8.6% year over year. And in June, it was 9.1%. What was that figure in July? Was it an 8% change, 8.5 or 9%? Just a stab, I'll go B8.5%, Katie. That's right. Yes!
<laughs> so while still very elevated at eight and a half percent, that's a very high rate. The figures came in lower than expected. And so that really boosted the market here in, in the last few weeks. So inflation is coming down a little bit, which means I can do no worse than 333, which is a great batting average on the Mariners. Go ahead. Question number two, Katie. OK, so in April, I asked you about interest rates that you could earn on a six month CD. In April of 2021, you could earn 0.17 percent interest on a six month CD. And in April of 2022, you could get 0.2 percent interest. So even though at that time the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates, it was not impacting savings rates for individuals. So today, what could you earn on a six month CD? Is it 0.3 0.6% or 0.9%? I'll go 0.9%, Katie. That's right. Yes, yes! Now that the Fed has raised interest rates several times, it's starting to trickle down where investors can earn a little bit more on some of these types of investments. So the Fed raised 0.75% in July, and they're being a little bit more aggressive trying to rein that inflation in. Well, I'm not sure in all the years that we're doing this, Katie, that I've ever gone three for three I don't know what I'm going to do if I go three for three on this one, but I'm ready to give it a try. What's question number three? Okay, so I'm giving you an easy one with oh, the last one. Oh. It's a true or false question. True or false, both stocks and bonds are down this year. Absolutely true, because I know that when stocks are up, bonds are down and vice versa, but that's not the case this time around. That's right. You got that right. So the S&P 500 is down about 17% this year, and bonds are down about 12%. This year, because of what the Federal Reserve is doing with raising interest rate, it has been negatively impacting the price of bonds. Just a very volatile time, and we at Evergreen have been very active in managing our portfolios and trimming when the markets are going up and buying when things are going down. And we think that volatility is here to stay for at least the short term and that it makes sense to, to be actively managing a portfolio. Well, I hope our audience understands that I'm going to keep this one up on the uh, on the podcast for the next two <laughs> or three years because I just I just went three for three. Before you finish, Katie Versio, you have a, a little survey that you guys are doing on the website. Yes. If you go to evergreengk.com, you can access our client compatibility survey where you can learn more about us. And if you're interested in our management style and if we could be a good fit, you can take our client compatibility survey. Talk about a great fit. Evergreen Golf Call has been just a terrific partner and sponsor of Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning. Where would we be without them? Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. Delivers to Teixeira. Swung on. Pop up into shallow right field. Or Ichiro gets over. Reaches into the crowd. And he can't get to it. Down the line. Young fan down there. Very excited. She almost came away with the, uh, the baseball. My name is Iris Skinner. And I'm the Ichiro girl. It's been a super fun Mariners season that seems destined for the playoffs 2022. Ichiro's weekend was a hit a couple of weekends ago, and our next guest was one of the co-stars. Iris Skinner is her name. Yes, she has a real name, but everyone seems <laughs> to know her as the Ichiro girl. Hi, Iris. How are you? Hello. I'm really good. Thank you. This 2010 moment is never going to go away. You realize that, right? Yeah. And honestly, I'm pretty stoked about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so go back. The Mariners asked you to throw out the first pitch during Ichiro's weekend. How did that come about? You got a phone call out of the blue. Um, yeah. So I actually, I know someone, one of my friends, her name's Haley Tiff. She works for the Mariners. 
she was actually the one that reached out to me. She just sent me a text and said, Hey, I wanted to reach out to you and ask you if you want to be a part of um, Ichiro Appreciation Weekend. What do you think about that? And I said, definitely. But what does that mean? And she said, we're thinking you would throw the ceremonial first pitch, like the big one before the game. I said, honestly, I was a little worried about it. And I almost said no. And I told her that I didn't really want to do it because I was really nervous about the whole situation. And I was worried about what people would think of me and if they were going to make fun of me because of how I am and all that. But eventually I said, Oh, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I said, yes. And then, um, yeah, that was like in July. So it was like a month and a half ahead of time. Did you practice? (laughs) I tried to practice as much as I could, but it was hard to find people to practice with. Um, I probably, I did get a baseball. I went and I got a mitt and I did practice with some of my coworkers maybe like three or four times. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I actually made it to each year. <laughs> and you didn't know, you didn't even suspect, come on, it's each year weekend. Did it never even cross your mind that he would run out and catch the ceremonial first pitch from each girl? <laughs> Yeah, it did cross my mind, and I did ask, is he going to be there? And Haley said, oh, Ichiro's going to be there, but I can't guarantee that he's going to be on the field. And so I didn't really ask any more questions after that. I was really hoping that I was going to be able to shake his hand at least, but I did not expect him to catch the first pitch because I felt like that was, I don't know, kind of too predictable. But the way it happened was so epic, and I was so excited. (laughs) Walk me through the nerves. Walk me through what it felt like when you saw him come out in the uniform to catch the pitch. <laughs> Honestly, that whole day, I was so nervous. I was I was even nauseous because I was so nervous. You know, I'm like, well, I'm walking out there. And then when I see him run out, I, <laughs> I do get really nervous, but I'm also really excited. And then I kind of don't even think about the pitch. I'm just thinking about going up to him and saying hello and all that. So um, I was nervous, but... It was mostly excitement when I saw him, you know, it was just, and it was just such an epic feeling (laughs) and and then hearing the crowd go wild and all that. It was really cool. And then after the pitch, he gave you a hug. And I think I overheard him asking, you didn't know, you really didn't know. He he couldn't even believe that you didn't know that he was going to catch the pitch. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously we shook hands and then he gave me a hug and he said, you didn't know at all. And I said, no, no one told me. Uh, I mean, I asked and and they didn't want to, you know, spill the beans. So yeah. And then he said, it's good to see you, which is really sweet. And then we took our picture together and he signed my ball and that was it. Okay. So go back to 2010. We've all seen it a million times. How many times have you watched it? It was 12 years ago. You were what? 17 at the time before I asked you to remind me of the, of the story of how it came to be. We'll talk about that. What is it like for a 29 year old now to look at on YouTube a 17-year-old and the whole incident on film? What is it like? Honestly, I, I'm i kind of loving it just because um, I didn't really expect this reaction that I'm getting. I've had hundreds of people message me saying that they loved my reaction and they thought I was really genuine and they loved my joyful personality or whatever. So it's actually pretty cool to see. Usually I wouldn't really want to read the comments about what people think, but it's been a really fun experience for me because people are just being so nice about it. So it's been really, been really amazing, honestly, just seeing the reaction from other people, which is something I was really worried about. Okay. So it's 2010. 
you're a high school senior and it was a spur of the moment decision because a friend had two tickets. Pick it up from there. Yeah, um, my best friend Mackenzie, um, her family were season ticket holders. So don't exactly remember why they weren't going to that game, but they offered the tickets to us. And we were honestly just on the beach that day and we decided, yeah, let's let's go to the game. Why not? And so we just hopped on a ferry, went to the game, sat in those amazing seats. And then the whole thing <laughs> kind of went from there. I <laughs> Had a really great time. <laughs> now you want to know what my favorite part? See, my I'm a little bit weird, so I think the most underrated part of the whole incident is what you had in your hand at the time, <laughs> at the time that the foul ball was hit. Mark Deshera hit the foul ball. Ichiro sprinting over to try to make a catch. You're trying to get out of the way. You're in that first seat. And tell everybody what you had in your hand at the time, not a phone, and and why you had what you had in your hand. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing, but I I did have a hairbrush in my hand. (laughs) I mean, I was 17. I kept a hairbrush with me all the time. I was all about brushing my hair. It's really silly. It's kind of embarrassing, but yeah, it's pretty funny. You know, I mean, I was just a teenager with a brush. (laughs) I was brushing my hair and not paying attention to where the ball was going. So that's why I was get, trying to get out of the way because <laughs> it's just so silly. And how soon after, Iris, did you know that TV was making a whole big deal about this? You're sitting there, obviously, you're not watching it on TV and you're having this incredible reaction. What, what do you do? The, the, the glove hit, hit your face? Is that right? Or his arm or both? Or you don't remember what exactly happened? Um, It was kind of... Yeah, like his his whole upper body, really, like both of our upper bodies just kind of collided yeah. um, pretty hard. <laughs> I thought I died. He knocked me out pretty bad. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it, it was a pretty big hit, honestly. <laughs> like he was going pretty fast. Yeah. When did, you, when did it dawn on you that, okay, everybody that's watching this game on TV is making a big deal out of my reaction. When did you know that? Because you're, I got to call my mom. I got to call my dad. And you're, you don't know whether to text. And you're just, you're just in kind of an hysterical mood at that particular moment. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I guess it took, I'm not exactly sure, maybe a few minutes to realize that they were playing it on TV because of course I was texting my parents and my friends and they all responded with, oh, yeah, we saw you. Like, they keep playing the video. It's Everyone thinks it's hilarious, blah, blah, blah. And, and then after that, that's when people were coming up to me and saying that they saw me on TV and they thought it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> so there's the underrated brush in your hand, and then there's the reaction by Mackenzie, which a lot of people have misinterpreted from what I understand over the last 12 years. But if you watch her in the video... It's kind of like you're in hysterics and she's kind of has this, at least the visual is she's not as playfully excited as you are. And people have interpreted that as she was kind of embarrassed that her friend would behave that way. But that was not the case. No, not at all. Um, Mackenzie and I are honestly still really close friends. I mean, she's still one of my best friends and we talk about her all the time. She was not embarrassed. She's just used to who I am, which that is just who I am. (laughs) I'm overly excited about pretty much anything. So no, she was, she honestly had a great time as well. And she was really stoked for me about throwing the first pitch and 
I invited her to the game and everything, but she couldn't make it. She was out of town. But um, yeah, Mackenzie was honestly just just as excited as I was. Just you know, we're a little bit different. <laughs> so when a 29 year old looks back to the video and thinks about the last 12 years, I'm assuming it's come up from time to time, but probably months and months go by where you don't think about it and you don't hear about it. What do you feel about how that moment played out and having that in your past? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's been 12 years after that first video. You know, I won fan moment of the year, so I got to walk out onto the field for the Mariners, you know, 11 years ago or whatever. And then there was another time when I got to go out and they interviewed me on the field and all that. So the fact that I finally got to meet him, you know, in such a cool way is, is really awesome. And I don't know, it feels pretty cool to just who I am as a person kind of brought me to this. So, so no negative. So there's been no neg, no negatives to all of this over the last 12 years, nobody taking shots, nobody making fun of you. It's all been good over the 12 years. It has been for the most part. I think the first video, I do remember few people not being very kind, but I mean, I kind of expected that just because of the way I react and people just don't really understand (laughs) that that was my genuine reaction. Um, But other than that, I mean, yeah, people have been really nice. Like the whole thing has been really positive. So, which is good. So you were a 17 year old girl then, and now catch us up to date. What's happened to the Ichiro girl in the last 12 years? (laughs) Gosh, I don't know. Uh, Well, I just got to meet Ichiro, which is, amazing and I can die happy but um I work at a brewery in Bellingham and I have a French bulldog and she's so cute and I don't know in the last 12 years I've traveled I went to school pretty much just the same person I was 12 years ago honestly I haven't really changed much does anybody ever come up to you and say hey wait hey I know you you're the you're Ichiro you're the Ichiro girl or does that never happen (laughs) It's only happened a couple times. I think after the first viral video, there was a few people that definitely recognized me. Um, and so far, I, I think I've had two people come up to me maybe and, and ask me if I'm the Ichiro girl, but nothing too crazy yet, well, <laughs> which you, is okay. You're a great sport. You're a really great sport. And uh, I'm really happy. Thank you. I'm really happy for you that you were a part of that weekend. We all remember the the famous highlight, the famous video from so many years ago. And I think... It was a really, they do a great job. The the Mariners uh, promotional team and marketing staff and game ops guys, they do such a great job. And this was a a super touch to a super weekend. So congratulations on being a part of it. And I'm glad that this whole thing has been a great experience for you for the last 12 years. Yeah, definitely. It has been. Yeah, the Mariners, that was such a class act. um, And it was so just just a really special moment that they planned. So I appreciate it so much, but yeah, thank you. It's been awesome. <laughs> Iris, thank you for being on Mitch unfiltered. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. We are way overdue for a visit from my main man, Jordan flowers, J flow Kirkland office, cross country mortgage member, member, most improved and Barrett's dad. How's he doing? Oh, Barrett is doing great. Thanks, Mitch. No, Thanks no, for no, asking. No, no. I was asking how Barrett's dad is doing. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, you know what? Baron's dad's doing well. Appreciate being back. I miss you, man. Been too long. I actually owe you a thank you. Oh, You've yeah. made me feel like a professional golfer for the last month, hearing how much you're talking about my golf game and how bad it was. So thanks. Now I know how they feel. I'm glad to know that you feel like a professional golfer when I talk about how bad, how bad your golf game is. Well, I, hey, media's talking about me. Uh, right lots of volatility in markets recently. All of us have seen our savings dip. Give us kind of a home buying market interest rate overview, Jordan. Yeah, it's not been fun watching the savings accounts, investment accounts, but there's good news on the mortgage side. Rates have actually kind of stabilized, plateaued, and have been working their way back down, in fact. So we've been seeing um, interest rates, 30-year fixed rates dropping the last two months, really. This is the second straight month. Mortgage-backed securities and interest rates have been dropping. So good news for homebuyers right now. Any new cross-country products or programs worth discussing here? I'm Mitch Unfiltered, JFlow. Yeah, we're always looking to adding products and programs to our arsenal to help those home buyers and people looking to refinance. Right now, um, there's been two over the last month and a half or so. I was part of helping roll out a new jumbo investor product that kind of really helps clients with more unique income. Maybe it's income derived from trusts. And then we also just rolled out a Goldman Sachs program that is on a 40-year amortization versus 30-year, which helps with your payment, your monthly principal and interest payment. So even though rates are high, we're trying to figure out creative solutions to help homebuyers keep that payment in line with what they were looking at and hoping for, especially as home prices have gone up so much the last two years. So you would say still a chance for buyers and sellers to get what they want in this current climate. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely different than the last couple of years where it's just throw your home up and get multiple bids, right? It's getting a little more creative um, for those sellers, but we're helping sellers sell their home and still net the same proceeds that they're hoping to net. And that's kind of where I think a shift needs to be right now. It's uh, negotiations always trying to be a win-win. What we can do to still have the seller really net the same amount of proceeds from the sale, really what they care about, and help buyers get the home at a price or monthly payment that they desire. So that's a lot of our strategy right now is helping both sides win and get what they want. We love Jordan Flowers. We love cross-country mortgage very creative during these times, and he's the 2023 member-member betting favorite next year, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Comeback player of the year, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Jordan Flowers in Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. It's a big day in, in a lot of directions for guys, guys that don't get a chance to stay with us and guys that do make the club. And... Uh, it's a big day for coaches and scouts and you know and players and all of that and so uh, treat it with respect and and all and, and uh, try to make you know make it as clear as possible where everybody stands and all that as we go through the process and so you know, we, that's what we've been working on all day. Can you feel it? The calm before the storm, ladies and gentlemen. NFL football is back this week. The Seahawks and Broncos will cap weekend number one. The Seahawks note table is ready, presented by Taco Time Northwest, where dining rooms, by the way, are opening and we're getting back to normal. Good news for me, because I'm a casita burrito guy and I like sitting in the restaurant when that's my order. Brady Henderson and Joe Fan are ready to do some work. Brady, any surprises, interesting aspects or storylines from the Hawks trimming to 53? That's what's happened since the last time the three of us were together. 
Yeah, probably the most interesting one to me was Marquise Blair. And certainly we had all seen that he did not have a, a very impressive preseason with a number of missed tackles. He, he was not really a standout in training camp and the practices that I saw either. I still thought that he would make the team just given the talent and the investment that the Seahawks have made in him with a second round pick in 2019. And the fact that he has played some good football for them at times, Pete Carroll had a very interesting explanation of why Blair was released. And um, he talked about how intense that was his word intense Blair was about wanting to play. And from what I understand uh, and Pete Carroll really alluded to this in his comment that Marquise Blair was not interested in being a backup. He, he wanted some place to go where he felt like he could have an easier path to playing time. And so um, the Seahawks waving him was, I think, largely something that he wanted. And so uh, that's a little context to that decision. And then the other one. Hold was, on. Hold on. Where is he now? As far as I have seen, he has not landed anywhere. <laughs> okay. and, and but, you know, maybe that's a, a, a maybe that just proves the point that he's looking for a place where uh, he's going to have a, a a chance to play. And he has not found that yet. Okay. And the other one you were going to say, Freddie Swain? Yes. Well, yeah, but we had talked about that. And, and I think any everybody who had followed this closely sort of, I think, largely predicted that he would not be on the team just because he had a very, very underwhelming summer. I think the other interesting uh, bit of roster maneuvering that they did was with Justin Coleman. Uh, you saw that he was he was one of the players that they released uh, on the initial cut down to 53. So the reason they did that and then ultimately brought him back a couple of days later was basically to clear a roster spot. And this may be boring to people, but the way it works is when, when you've got a guy who's been in the NFL for more than four years, like Justin Coleman has, when, when the team cuts you, you're not subject to waivers like a younger player is. So Justin Coleman was flat out released, uh, which made him a free agent. And not he, in order to join another team, he couldn't be claimed. He would have to sign on with another team. So the Seahawks picked him in order to save a roster spot. Uh, and then with the plan to bring him back. And the reason why they kept that roster spot open was because they wanted to put LJ Collier on injured reserve. And if they had done that on the initial cut down day, if they put him straight on IR, then he would have had to miss the entire season. But by keeping Collier uh, on the roster past the cut down date and then moving him to IR after that, they preserved the right to bring him back. So the whole Coleman uh, Collier deal was basically about saving a roster spot temporarily for LJ Collier with the plan to bring Coleman back and put Collier on IR. Joe fan blank canvas. You've been uh, watching from afar what they've done now. 53 guys. We mentioned Swain and the, the wide receiver depth is certainly shaky to say the least. Is there anything from your standpoint that's interesting or curious as we get ready for the Broncos on Monday night? No, I think the second the trade was made and the, the draft picks, were made, you knew who the Seahawks were going to battle with this year. And um, this is a matchup that this is the Seahawks Super Bowl. I mean, this is the most exciting preview show we might do all year because it's <laughs> Russell Wilson returning Jeez. to Lumen Field. And I am, I think my biggest fascination with this game is I'm curious how he will be received by Seahawks. Fans. We're getting I don't yeah. think yeah. it's going to be a hundred percent welcome back. We love you. I think there's, I think there's some hurt feelings. I think it's sort of, you know, you wanted to, to end on good terms with your ex, but they got a new relationship awfully quick and really threw it in your face with the social media posts and, and let's ride and the orange outfits. And uh, I just think 
right now everything's really fresh. And I think there's a lot of people who are just really hoping for his demise this year. Let me bring up a, a baseball player for you, Joe. And we were going to go there and you kind of, you, you, you not only stole my topic, but you stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask both of you, should he expect 100% love at Lumen Field? But let me bring up a, I'll grasp for a parallel. About a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, I was back in Washington, D.C., and I happened to be at Juan Soto's return to Washington the first night he came back as a member of the Padres. Juan Soto, for those of you who don't know, won a championship with the Washington Nationals, wanted a lot of money, kind of forced his way out through Scott Boris, got traded to San Diego, came back with San Diego, 150% love, all love. For Juan Soto, 40,000 stood up and gave him a rounding, uh, a rousing ovation. Um, do you agree, Brady, that uh, there'll be some boo birds out for Russell Wilson? And if so, why? He brought him a champion. He helped bring him a championship. And yes, he kind of forced his way out, not unlike Juan Soto. And now he's playing for the opponent. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be so, some boo birds. I don't think it's going to be anything Why? close to unanimous. I think because the breakup is still too fresh. And I I would, uh, you know, I, I saw Danny O'Neill. I didn't read the whole thing, but I saw that he had a guest column in the News Tribune where he sort of wondered if it was going to be more like Alex Rodriguez coming back to Seattle or Ken Griffey Jr. coming back to Seattle. And of course, Alex Rodriguez got booed uh, relentlessly. There was the monopoly money, you know, raining down at Safeco field. Uh, and then Ken Griffey jr. Of course, got the hero's welcome when he returned the big difference between those two. And there are a few of them, but I think one big difference was Alex Rodriguez came back the next year. It was a decade or so before Ken Griffey jr. Came back. Those wounds had healed um, and, you know, different players. I think Ken Griffey jr. Obviously meant way more to, to, the, the Mariners in Seattle than Alex Rodriguez did. But I think a bigger difference was, you know, people had time to deal with uh, the breakup. And I think for that reason, I think that uh, Wilson, yeah, I think he's going to hear some booze just because everything is still so fresh. If he had, you know, if, if it wasn't for another 10 years that he came back to Lumen Field, I think it would be more like Griffey, but it's not. It's, you know, seven months or so, whatever it is, right after the trade. And so yeah. people are still going to be yeah. pissed off about that. Joe, you, so you seem to think, Joe, that there is perception amongst the Seattle Seahawks fans that Russell Wilson forced his way out of Seattle. Not that the team took a look at the future, took a look at what was on the table for contracts and what was going to happen, and just decided that they wanted to go in a different direction. I think it's very mutual. I think Yes. The relationship was untenable. It it had run its course and the marriage between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the Seahawks organization was unsalvageable. So I'm not saying it could, we'll just call it 50, 50 doesn't have to be 51, 49, another direction. I think both parties wanted this uh, in a big way and they both got what they wanted ultimately, especially with Russ getting his new contract this week. Mm. Let's talk about that new contract, Brady. I was a little surprised at how team-friendly that contract was. He obviously had them over the barrel based on the compensation that they paid in the trade to the Seahawks. He gets five years, $245 million, but when you start looking at it, not as much money guaranteed as I would have thought after the Deshaun Watson deal. There's a lot of money at the back end that's not guaranteed. 
This seemed like a very sweet deal for the Broncos and gave them some maneuverability, if there's such a word. What did you think when you saw the deal? I didn't feel as much that way as I think some people did. And I guess I just look at it from the sense of Deshaun Watson's contract was an outlier. And, you know, other Mark Rogers tried to get Wilson's 2019 deal fully guaranteed. But there's a reason why that's only happened once with, with you know, it happened with Kirk Cousins, but that was a smaller three-year deal. Um, there's a reason why that has only happened really twice. It's really hard. Teams do not want to do that. Uh, and they certainly don't want to do it with a, a deal of that size with the quarterback who's 33 years old. So I thought he did pretty well for himself. I, I think it, it just would have been expecting too much to think that only because Watson got the fully guaranteed deal uh, that Wilson was going to get that same thing. I mean, he's right up there among the highest paid players. I'd also don't think it would be realistic uh, to expect him to top Aaron Rodgers in terms of annual average when Rodgers won the last two MVP awards and Wilson um, has, you know, had the last 25 games. He's, he's have not been nearly as good as his 25 games before that. And so I thought all things considered that the deal was very strong. Joe, what'd you think of the deal? Yeah, I think it has an opportunity to age poorly before it even starts. Uh, I mean, again, this is a guy who's going to be 34 starting in the fall. And this, this ties him to Denver for seven more years. I think he'll be fine this year and next. And there's a, an incredible supporting cast around him with Jerry Judy and Javante Williams and Cortland Sutton and the offensive line that they've invested in. Uh, the defense has a ton of pieces there's a really good roster that Russ will not have to carry in my opinion. And he should be very good, but I'm not positive. It's going to be the same way in 2024 when this thing gets going. So yeah, I'm with Brady. I don't look at this and say, man, he did the Broncos organization a huge favor. Uh, you know, when it comes to quarterback contracts, I'm more curious what happens with Lamar Jackson because they've balked at giving him you know, the big fully guaranteed contract. But with this one, I, I think there's, immense risk involved for all the reasons I've talked about. I feel like every episode of Mitch unfiltered over the last year. Plus this is a guy who is aging and his uh, mobility, his mobility, mobility yep. is waning. And I'm really curious to see how he evolves in the back nine of his yeah, career, because those backbreaking sacks hurt even more when there isn't the upside of the, the scramble drill to the same frequency. Brady, going back to the first half of the Russell Wilson conversation, which is the reception that he'll get at Lumen Field on Monday night, the one the one difference between basketball and football is there's not that moment anymore. When I was a kid, the opposing team, at least one of their units, offensive and defensive, were actually introduced over the loudspeaker to the crowd. That doesn't happen anymore in the NFL. So... There's no A-Rod stepping to the plate and being introduced. There's no basketball player being introduced in the starting five when he returns. There's really not, a, I don't know, what's the moment when he comes out for warm-ups? I mean, what's the moment that we actually can tell what the reception is for Russell Wilson on Monday? There will, I think there will be a few. He's probably going to be a captain, so he's going to go out for the opening coin toss. I'm sure that the Seahawks are going to do some... Uh, sort of pregame tribute ceremony. Yeah. Pregame tribute to him. And so that's another opportunity taking the field for the first, you know, the Broncos opening series. Uh, that's another one. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I, I see what you're saying, but I, there's going to be plenty of opportunities where all of the focus is on him. Okay. Before we get to who was doing work this past week. And by the way, since there will be no Seahawks, no table 
this week for the patrons. Typically, we do, ladies and gentlemen, you should know this if you're not a patron, that these three guys or these two guys and me, we do an additional show each week that that uh, is released on Friday mornings leading into games where we do our picks and we do our preview. There'll be no such show this week. It'll happen for the first time next week for patrons. We'll do our KPs. We got to get a... I'm like a 12-time a defending champion. We've got to do our KPs. But before we do I thought do I that, won last year. I'm sure you didn't. Did I win last year? You didn't win. Sure you didn't win year. shit. Um, all right, Brady, is there anything that we should know in terms of injuries or we should be watching for the midweek storylines as we get closer and closer to Monday night against the Broncos? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Sidney Jones is, I think, one of the bigger ones. Uh, he returned to practice. Uh, last week uh, that we saw. Now, at this point in the season, reporters like myself are only allowed to watch the first five, 10 minutes of practice. So we're just seeing who's out there in stretch and warmups. And it did look like Sidney Jones was there okay. uh, in pads. So that is a good sign for him. Uh, elsewhere, you've got two of their outside linebackers, Boye Mafe, the rookie second round pick, and Alton Robinson, both dealing with injuries. Uh, Abe Lucas didn't see him out there. It looked like he's been dealing with something. So they've, they've got a number of them. Uh, and we'll have a better sense of that this week once it, they have to start releasing injury reports. If Sidney Jones is ready, it'll be Sidney and who? Either Tariq Woolen or Artie Burns on, on the right side. And if if Sidney's not ready, it'll be both of those two guys or somebody else? Yes, because I think Artie Burns has worked on both sides. Okay. So I think in that case, they'd put Artie Burns on the left side okay. and Tariq Woolen on the right side. All right. Taco Time Northwest is always looking for new people to join their team. You know that, Joe. Great perks and compensation packages await you at Taco Time Northwest. But you got to be willing. They they celebrate at Taco Time Northwest people that are willing to do some work. If you want to be part of the Taco Team Northwest or the Taco Time Northwest team, you got to be willing to like do some taco work. Team. You got to yeah, Taco Team. You got to be willing to do some work. So Joe, you start us off. You got the whole the whole world of sports and non-sports. Anybody catch your eye doing some work last week? You know, I think the bar is so low for Washington Husky football these days, but how fun <laughs> was Michael Penix Jr. in his debut <clears throat> transfers from Indiana to be uh reunite with Kalen DeBoer 45, 20, the Huskies win, but Penix was electric. The lefty slinging the pill 26 of 39, 345 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, after all the egregious quarterback play we've seen from Husky quarterbacks over the last couple of years, and I know it's Kent State is a, is a solid mid-major. I mean, it's it's certainly you're not, you know, throwing a parade for beating Kent State, but it was at least a dominant win at home where, what, they lost to Montana to open the year last year. I mean, it's been bad, bad times, dark days uh, for the dogs, and it was good to see them get a win on Saturday with Michael Penix Jr. looking, uh, looking like the real deal. So? So he was yes. doing some work. He was doing work, and I knew that you were going to take him. And he was on my list, but I, I got some others because I just I felt Joe Fan was going Michael Penix Jr. on me when I gave him the leadoff. Brady, you got anybody? You got anybody in mind that was doing some work this week? I do, and I wasn't worried about anybody taking this one because <laughs> this one this one's personal uh, to oh. me. And, and oh. yeah, this is going to sound a little uh, self-serving and self-promotional, but that's not the intent because uh, I want to highlight uh, some editors at ESPN uh, who have really been doing some work. And, you know, whenever you see a big feature story, several thousand words in ESPN or at the Athletic or the Seattle Times, anywhere like that, you see the reporter's byline, uh, the person who wrote the story. But really, there are a ton of people behind the scenes 
uh, who helped make that story what it is. Nice. And when the writer is a head case like myself, uh, <laughs> that work is really sort of also includes some, um, you know, some counseling and, and playing the role of therapist. And so um, you'll see the story that I'm talking about. It, it comes out later this week. Uh, but this is not about the story itself. It's about uh, my editors at ESPN who have really been doing some work. Do you want to give names or are you just going to say editors? Nah, do you want to do you want to tell us what the story is about? It's got to be about Russell uh, Wilson, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's yeah. about the Russell Wilson okay. Seahawks breakup right. and everything that went into that. Which but, leaves yeah. me on the board. And I had Michael Penix, but I'll scratch him off. There's obviously we could have gone Kalen DeBoer doing some work. We could have uh, we could do the Mariners, Joe. The Mariners are just winning games hand over fist and seemingly on way to the playoffs for the first time in forever. The Mariners have been doing work. Ty France has been doing work. Uh, Robbie Ray has been doing work. Um, do you guys know the name Quinn Ewers? Does that name mean anything to you, Brady? Quinn nope. Ewers? Joe? Never heard of him. Okay. Nope. Quinn Ewers is the is the is the quarterback of the Texas Longhorns. And while he was doing some work. On Saturday, 16 of 24, 225 yards and two touchdowns in a win over UL Monroe. His car, Joe, was being towed because he was illegally parked while mm. he was doing the quarterbacking for the Texas uh, Longhorns. So he was doing some work, and so was the, the, tow, the tow shop doing some work. But I'm going way off the board this week, and this might go a little bit against the spirit of Taco Time Northwest and the doing some work segment but we're, we're only one this is week one we're already going off we're going the way off of the, the, we're going off the board <laughs> what the, you, what the, what you, the task is you both have heard of the sec network which is yes. owned and operated by who brady the same people that write your checks right espn yeah. espn so they were doing joe their on location on saturday in fayetteville arkansas in prep oh in preparation for the Cincinnati, Arkansas football game. Now, Brady's shaking his head because he knows exactly where I'm going on this. And they had a special guest, Joe, join him on set. None other than the, uh, the prestigious alum of Arkansas, Long John Daly, two-time major championship winner, joined him on the set of the SEC Network. And he was driven out in a golf cart as you would expect. And he hit some balls and the place was going crazy. And he joined him on the set and they asked him how he was doing. And his first quote, Joe was not going to lie. I'm drunk. That was the first line <laughs> for the John Daly interview, which means John Daly was doing some work in the tailgating before the Arkansas Cincinnati game. My doing some work guy this week is long John Daly, and I didn't have any qualms about you guys stealing Daly from me this week. So there you go. There's the doing Love some it. work. Uh, Taco Time Northwest celebrates all of you that like to Welcome do some Welcome to the work. Taco Team, John Daly. Taco Team, which brings us to KP. KP time. Mitch Levy, the 14-time defending champion. We've got uh, Joe Fan in Vegas of WinBet, and he 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 knows everything because he you see him do his uh, all of his picks on Twitter. No one, no one picks games quite like Joe Fan, and of course Brady Henderson, who makes his Seahawks picks known on ESPN.com every week. We're starting with the Broncos and the Seahawks. Brady, six-point favorites are the road team coming into Monday night. Russell Wilson's return. Nobody expects much from the Seattle Seahawks. 
do you on Monday night? What are you doing? Well, first of all, I think it's interesting that uh, there's no sort of handicapping to this uh, guessing game here. And I believe I finished last uh, last season. And yet I'm putting I'm being in the disadvantageous position of having to go first here. (laughs) So I just want to point that out. Look, it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. I think that could play to the Seahawks advantage. That should help them. They've got a competitive team outside of quarterback. I just don't see how they are going to beat Russell Wilson uh, with Geno Smith. It would it would have to take every single thing going perfectly uh, and maybe even uh, some good fortune with a trick play or a ball bouncing their way or something like that. And I just I have a hard time seeing how that everything is going to come together when you've got some injuries on defense that we mentioned earlier. Uh, you've got Ken Walker, the third. You don't know if he's going to play because he's still, you know, hasn't practiced yet coming off the hernia procedure. So just too much stacked against the Seahawks, most notably the fact that there's a, a very big quarterback discrepancy. And so uh, I am going to say 28, 17, 28, 17 Broncos. Joe, you want to go second? You want me to sure. go second? Go ahead, Joe. I'll go. Go ahead. Uh, every time I think about this matchup, I just sort of like smile in my head that the NFL schedule makers get to get to make these decisions. And of course, he's coming back. His very first game as a Denver Bronco is in Seattle. It's going to be insane. This is the Super Bowl right out of the gate. And it's going to feel like peak Legion of Boom days, in my opinion, because everyone's going to want to be there. The difference between this game and every other home game is going to be just so noticeable. I can't shake this feeling that the Seahawks might win. They shouldn't. They have no business being in this game when you look at the rosters. But again, this is their Super Bowl, and nobody knows Russell Wilson's weaknesses like Pete Carroll and the members of that defense. And strange things can happen in this league. And there, I don't think it's a guarantee that the, the Broncos offense is a juggernaut right out of the gate. Having some growing pains would make some sense. I'm taking Broncos 24, 20, the Seahawks will cover and they will lose narrowly, but I just, I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's, it's going to be a weird game. Things are going to go the Seahawks way, and you're going to be in the fourth quarter thinking, how on earth do the Seahawks have a chance to win this game? And they ultimately come up a little bit short, but, man, I can't wait. Brady Henderson has 28-17 Broncos. Joe Fan has 24-20 Broncos, which brings the 18-time defending champion back to the uh, <laughs> to the forefront. The Broncos are a six-point favorite, and there's really, as Joe pointed out, and I won't be as I don't think I'll be as as uh, as in depth as Joe was. There's no sensible reason, really, to pick the Seahawks, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Oh, wow. I know. I'm gonna do it anyway. I just have a funny feeling. I've got a funny feeling. I, I don't know what it is. There's really no no great way to articulate why I have this feeling. I got a funny feeling. I get it. I got a funny I feeling. I get it. I really don't have to pick a score because if the Seahawks win, I am closest to the pin because I'm the only guy with the Seahawks, but I'll pick a score anyway. It's the same score as Joe has, 24 to 20. The Seahawks get a late interception from Quandre Diggs on Russell Wilson as he tries to take the Broncos down for the go-ahead score. Diggs comes up with the interception, and the Seahawks are 1-0 
with a win over the Broncos 24-20. Really quickly, can we just dive into that scenario taking place and what the conversation is? This primetime Monday night football on ESPN, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call, their first call for ESPN, the entire week's conversation. It's going to, the overreactions are going to be so, would be, so delicious and enjoyable for every fan in Seattle to watch. He just got paid. There's no honeymoon period in Denver for Russell Wilson. Those fans aren't going to give him any rope, nor should they, because they gave up two first-round picks and a bunch more to get him, then just gave him $165 million guaranteed. And you're going to lose to the Geno Smith-led Seahawks on primetime to open this thing up. Oh, my God. I just... That's what makes me smile is just like what the potential fallout would be if Mitch, you are correct. And I honestly, hope I am. I hope I am. I hope you are. And that doesn't mean it makes it sound like I'm rooting against Russell Wilson. And I'm really not. But it just would be a fascinating scene to watch unfold. Brady, you get the final word. You have anything? <laughs> Brady usually has a good soapbox to get on here for a minute. He did it. He did it with the editors. I think he. I think he threw his best fastball about a few minutes ago. Is that it? Yeah, my, my arm is shot. I got nothing <laughs> for you guys. I'm looking forward to covering that game, though. I'll tell you uh, that. All right. So the next time we will be together on the Seahawks No Table will be in the wee hours of the morning when Brady can join us on Monday night for a Tuesday morning release next week of Mitch Unfiltered in, in wake of either a Broncos win or a Seahawks win on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks... No table each and every week, twice a week, once for patrons, once on the regular show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, bitch. I, I apologize to both of you in advance for how late I'm going to keep you up on Monday, <laughs> probably, probably well into Tuesday morning. So I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, Zeke's Pizza President Dan Black with an update on all the exciting stuff happening in their world. It's football season. Dan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, we're always excited for football season. Can't wait for the Hawks. Can't wait for the dogs. Uh, we're ready to go. Summer has gotten away from us, but some exciting additions to the Zeke's Pizza family. We've got Mount Lake Terrace. We've got Seward Park, both open on the same day. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, when you open restaurants, it's kind of fluid as to the exact opening dates right up until the end. And it turns out that Terrace Station up in Mount Lake Terrace and Seward Park both opened on August 24th. They're both doing great. I've mentioned before that they're both full-blown pizza pubs. It's the full Zeke's experience. I love hanging out at both places. Seward Park has actually become my on the way home beer spot, even though it's totally not on my way home. So uh, that speaks to how cool that one is. It's very neighborhoody. And so, yeah, that's they're They're both really great. It's amazing because now you're south to Tacoma. You're north yep. to Bellingham. We know about Spokane. And now some exciting news about going out of state. Yeah, I think I mentioned we were working on a deal in Boise, maybe, but we got it done a couple of weeks ago. And that is really exciting. It'll be our first one out of Washington State. Boise is obviously an exciting up and coming city that's that's been booming for a while and a lot of cool energy down there. It's a really great match for Zeke's. They're very outdoorsy down there, which is always a great connection for us. So we'll be up in eight to 10 weeks. It'll be a great beer drinking spot. And we think people in Idaho are going to like Zeke's a lot. It's unimaginable how large the footprint has become, Dan. Operationally, what are the challenges for you guys? Yeah, not only have we been opening quite a few units just in general, but the, the big story, as you mentioned recently, is the expansion of the footprint with 
Bellingham, Spokane, and Boise coming in relatively short order. Uh, it does create some operational challenges. The main one is is dough, and the way we've solved that, it's actually a great thing for the customer. The the ones that are out of our commissary range, mm -hmm. they make their dough fresh on site every day, and so it's actually even fresher than than what you get in Seattle. Even though we do that every day in the morning here too, but um, so it's so far it's been great. What's the Black family eating these days? You know, I think I've mentioned our new pepperoni from a company called Coro in town that used to be Salumi. And their, all their products are really great. But we switched over to their pepperoni a few months ago. And we, the Black family can't order anything different. So we've been eating Puget Pounders, John Candies, Dragons. It's the pepperoni is really good. That's what we're on right now. I think we're going to be on it for a while because it's, uh, like I say, it's tough to get away from it. It's that good. Very, very exciting Mount Lake Terrace Station, Seward Park, Boise still yet to come. Amazing things happening at Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. First down, Penix drops back, well protected, throws, caught, touchdown, Taj Davis. Taco Time Northwest in its continuing quest for new team members that love to do some work presents our next guest. I'm disappointed <laughs> to say his picks begin the season where we left off a year ago. Ohio State. <laughs> Beats Notre Dame, but a sloppy come-from-behind effort costs all of us at the window, at the pay window, Rick Neuheisel. Disappointing, but uh, yet still the kind of win that will pay dividends for Ohio State down the road. Mm -hmm. So we're 0-1. Make no excuses. We're going to do some work now to get everybody <laughs> back to 500. So you're saying the game paid dividends for Coach Day, but didn't pay dividends for the Mitch unfiltered listeners. <laughs> Is that for those who followed me, for those who faded me because of last year, they are off to a brilliant start. But uh, for those who followed me, I tell you to follow me again. Okay. Because we're going to have a big time pick for you today. Okay. We had Ohio State looking somewhat pedestrian versus Notre Dame. We had LSU on Sunday night getting an extra point blocked, also mm. dropping a lot of balls on special teams in a thriller against FSU. We had a lopsided Georgia-Oregon game. Duck fans are scratching their, I guess, bills or heads. Feathers. Feathers. The Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr. era starts in grand fashion. Where would you – what did we learn? What did Rick Neuheisel learn from the first full week of college football. Well, let's start in the epicenter of college football, which still today remains in the SEC. Both Alabama and Georgia flexed. Uh, Alabama made it look relatively easy against Utah State. And remember, Utah State were the champions of the Mountain West a year ago. They got drubbed 55 to nothing. Oregon, the number 11 team in the country, travels across the country to take on Georgia. Dan Lanning against his former team, they get drubbed 49 to three. And what was interesting about that is there was zero fallback by the defense. The defense was as stalwart as it's ever been. And the quarterback Stetson Bennett, the fourth, who just a few years ago looked nervous as he could be 
in the role of starting quarterback for Georgia now looks unbelievably comfortable. He goes 25 of 31 for 368, a career high. Georgia's dangerous. You can almost pencil Alabama and Georgia based on what's going on. Although I'll tell you, the SEC has so many good quarterbacks. We're going to get some upsets before the season's over. And you didn't even mention Utah, a very good Utah team, yeah. goes a, goes across the country. Probably the game of the day. Billy Napier. Probably the game of the day. Billy Napier's debut at Florida, and the SEC comes out on top in a very close game there as well. Billy Napier that was fabulous in, in his debut, but the show stealer was Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson is – it's hard to imagine this, Mitch, when you watch him play, but he's 6'5 and 240 pounds. He's a gymnast. Mm-hmm. And then to see him – play he went goes for over 100 yards against a uh, fatigued Utah defense with that humidity but he was a star he made plays look simple that common men don't normally make and uh he is he's one to watch out for a big game this week between Kentucky at Florida I'm going to ask you about the Kentucky quarterback here in a few minutes when we get to the quarterback segment how about your former uh, your former team, Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix Jr. The era starts in, as I said, grand fashion. It was a Kent State team that's right. that's not coached by Don James. The last time I checked, um, and Nick Saban's not running around making plays as a defensive back at Kent State, but uh, <laughs> um, still, it, it, you know, the Huskies, hey, it's one and zero. It's one and zero. Yeah, it gets out of the blocks. Uh, they get another kind of tune up this week in anticipation for the Spartans of Michigan state to get to town in week three. Right. But listen, Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix jr. Together is the story. Penix was a 67.7% passer when DeBoer was the offensive coordinator in Indiana, them being back together is a huge deal and it can only get better. And the fingers are crossed for all Husky fans that Penix stays healthy. Hmm. Crystal Ball in Miami. You and I talked about this last week. All the debuts of the new coaches. Crystal Ball in Miami, successful. Riley at USC, successful. We just talked about Billy Napier at Florida. All impressive in debuts. Any of those storylines catch your eyes? You talked about Napier. Napier had the biggest challenge with Utah coming into town, and they looked incredibly organized. They looked incredibly efficient. Uh, They played to a home crowd. And, you know, brought the house down with a great last minute interception. I didn't like Andy Ludwig's call there because you had three points kind of in your bag, although nothing's in the bag as we watched LSU miss an extra point. East Carolina missed an extra point trying to get even with North Carolina State. So nothing easy. But when you're down there second and goal, you don't need to take those real tight window throws. You throw out to the side. There actually was time for another run, but. That's uh, spilt milk now. We'll wait and see how Utah tones as they get come back to a lesser foe this week and then get ready to go for Pac-12 play. But they're a good team. Cam Rising's a good team. Yeah. But uh, the quarterbacks in the SEC, the quarterbacks in the ACC are, are very, very talented. All good stuff. Manny Dia, uh, excuse me, uh, Mario Cristobal, hey, great win. Bethune-Cookman was your foe. But he's the same guy, Mitch, that said Oregon will travel back to <laughs> – uh, Atlanta. Dan Lanning is wishing he had thought wiser of that. Yeah. Instead of going back there and uh, getting the Bo Nix era off to such a rough yeah. start. So we've talked about some of the big storylines on the field. 
Uh, we we haven't mentioned the biggest storyline right. on the – well, we'll get to the biggest one off the field. We haven't mentioned the biggest one in my mind on the field, which was the underdog orange. Harvard, yes. The Harvard of Central New York taking out Louisville. <laughs> but um, we've got the college football playoff board of managers unanimously voting to expand to 12 as soon as 2024, but the SEC commissioner has doubts – we're going to get the, um, what, the six conference winners, the highest-ranked six conference winners ultimately, and then six wild-card teams that will be determined, I'm assuming, by a committee. What says Rick Neuheisel about all of this? Thrilled. Uh, and only adding, why did it take you so long? Because this is the exact proposal that was on the table a year ago. But what took place a year ago, as we all now know, is Oklahoma and Texas news leaked that they were headed to the SEC. And so what happened is you had Pac-12 Commissioner uh, George Klyovkov, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, and ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips all create this, and I'm putting air quotes up, historic alliance <laughs> that was supposed to say, wait a minute, we're, we're like-minded. We're not letting this world domination thing happen. But one year later, Kevin Warren has poached USC, UCLA from the Pac-12. Kevin Warren gets the benefit of having already settled his television deal for the next six or seven years before these television networks might be bidding for the new television inventory in the college football playoff. So he got their money first. And now, so he says, yeah, we're all in. So it's now much ado about nothing in terms of what was on the table, which is why Greg Sankey, Jack Swarbrick, the the AD at Notre Dame were sitting there going, you idiots, we had this. Let me ask you a naive question as it pertains to what's more important, chances of making the college football playoff or being in a big conference and, and accumulating much more revenue in terms of TV Dollars, Because here you have Washington and Oregon, and they're trying to figure out where they where they need to end up. It strikes me, unless I'm missing something, that from strictly a playoff standpoint, right, it would be much better for Washington, let's say, to stay in the Pac-12 as constituted so that they can go win the Pac-12 and be one of those six automatic berths in the college football playoff, and yet if they go to the Big Ten for all the money, they could get kind of swallowed up and lost in the shuffle, and it might make it impossible for a Washington team to ever come out of the Big Ten and be in the national uh, championship playoff. I, I, how do you weigh one versus the other, Rick? You have to imagine that both Texas and Oklahoma had that same thought process, right? They could stay in the Big 12, especially Oklahoma, which is kind of reigned supreme in that conference. Is it wiser to stay in here? We're going to get uh, to the college football playoff as often as we'd like, but be on the short side of 30 to 40 to $50 million a year annually. Right. So I think they just said, you know what? We're going to have to just keep up with the Joneses, and we're going to end up trying to compete at that level. And remember, you mentioned six you know, wild card teams. I would hazard a guess that somewhere between three and four teams from both SEC and Big Ten are going to be in this. Both their winners 
and at least two to three more from each conference are probably going to be part of that field each and every year. So it's a no-brainer. Washington and Oregon, once they get the opportunity, if invited, have to, have to they got to go. Okay. They got to go. Okay. We're sitting here in Seattle getting ready for Russell Wilson's return yeah. on Monday Night Football to soap in the NFL season, and everybody's wondering – Seahawk fans are wondering who the next quarterback. We all feel like this is kind of an in-between makeshift season of, you know, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Let's talk about the quarterback prospects. I had this on the list to talk to you about last week, but we were too busy doing work and picking Ohio State. Um, When it comes to quarterback prospects in college football, there's obviously the big two. The Ohio State Stroud and Alabama's Bryce Young. I don't know how you view them one, two, two, one versus in terms of their NFL potential. Uh, who will be the better NFL quarterback? Is there anybody else in the conversation? It seems like a lot of people like this Kentucky quarterback who we mentioned earlier on in the show. Will Levis. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, you remember the old Brady Bunch episode where Greg Brady becomes Johnny Bravo? Yeah, sure. Of course. Later, they decided not to go forward with the deal. And he said, well, why did you pick me? He said, because you fit the suit, right? <laughs> Greg Brady fit the Johnny Bravo suit. Yeah. That's a lot of what GMs do when they're picking quarterbacks. Will Levis fits the suit. Uh, Josh Allen, whose numbers at Wyoming were not startling, but he fit the suit. Roethlisberger fit the suit in Pittsburgh, right? Levis is in that category. He fits the suit. He's that kind of tall, strong, agile player that, you know, looks like he has all the pieces. Now, the numbers have to show that he's capable also, and we'll wait and see what uh, transpires with the Kentucky season. Bryce Young is a freak. He's Kyler Murray. I was on the sideline, Mitch, at the uh, backyard brawl last week, and Kyler Murray was there. He was on the sideline and I'm standing next to him. And I remember meeting him in, in uh, the studios in New York city. He's five, nine. He's a five, nine kid probably weighs a buck 85. He doesn't fit the suit. He doesn't fit the suit. <laughs> and yet he's been guaranteed by the Arizona Cardinals, $189 million. His deals like 230, but 189 of it is guaranteed. You have to get over Bryce young, not fitting the suit because he's Kyler Murray. And you watched him run for 100 yards in this last game against Utah State. And he's so calm. Do you want Bryce Young or do you so afraid that he doesn't fit the suit, you go somewhere else? And that's where I'm keeping my eyes on two players this year. Anthony Richardson, who we just saw play brilliantly for Florida. The other guy is K.J. Jefferson out of Arkansas. He absolutely fits the suit. He's Cam Newton part two. And then there's a third kid, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Now, he did not start the game. Cade McNamara started the game, and he was 9 for 18 in a blowout win over Colorado State. But McCarthy goes in the game and goes 4 for 4 passing and then runs three carries for 50 yards. We're going to watch him play against an overmatched Hawaii team this week. I think McCarthy's going to have a breakout season, and he fits the suit. You haven't mentioned Stroud. Is he the number one guy no matter what? Stroud is outstanding, but he's in a he's in a you know cavalcade of stars. I mean, and I just think, for my eye, Bryce Young. Even though I'm going to be on the short side, I'm willing to overlook it because that guy is a flat, brilliant player. Kalen DeBoer was doing some work. 
Michael Penix Jr. was doing some work. There were a lot of players and coaches around the country who was doing some work. And Taco Time celebrates as they look for new team members, people that enjoy getting in there and doing some work. That's what fits for Taco Time. So I ask you, Rick Neuheisel. Yes, sir. I know that Neuheisel wasn't doing some work because his Ohio State Buckeyes won but didn't cover the three touchdowns that he promised that they would. <laughs> who who was doing some work in, I guess they call it, weekend number one of college football season? Did you see the North Carolina App State game? I had it on the list to talk about. I watched the entire second half. I don't think I've ever seen... 62 points, Mitch, were scored in the fourth quarter by the two teams. But before you get there, as a former coach, the guy takes the onside kick back for a touchdown. All he had to do was drop on the ball, and he he turns what's a one-point win into an eight-point lead, and they also commit a penalty (laughs) on that play. And before you know it, Appalachian State's in the end zone again. (laughs) It was crazy. That was crazy. There were a lot of people doing some work. There were not very many defensive people doing (laughs) any work on that particular day. But the quarterback for North Carolina in two games. Now, remember, they had a week zero game as well. Drake May has already thrown for 646 yards and nine touchdowns while also running for well over 100 yards. Drake May is doing work. How about Will Rogers for Mississippi State? 38 for 49, 77.6% for 450 and five touchdowns in a win over Memphis. How about... uh, Caleb Williams. You can only have one. You got to have one. You got to name one. (laughs) When work is being done, we need to point out the work. Okay, before we get your uh, pick, and we know we're going to go one and one, and we're going to have a good season despite the start with Ohio State, can we at least tip our cap? You mentioned the Michigan quarterback. You You mentioned the route of Colorado State. Can we all at least tip our cap to the name of the starter, the quarterback starter of Colorado State? Like his old man, Clay Millen, and who his old man, absolutely his old I man think he was like eighty percent, wasn't he? Like sixteen for twenty in yeah, the game or something was, like that. He was sixteen for twenty, and I gotta point out that his old man made his Washington starting debut back in the eighties, I think eighty six or eighty four. In Michigan, in the big house against the Wolverines, he, he engineered a Washington upset of Michigan in his first game. So there he is, 40 years later, watching his son play his first college game in the big house against Michigan. That's fantastic. Congratulations to Hugh and to Clay. There'll be brighter days when the, you have uh, kind of an equal matchup. You know who else had a son play this last week? The great Paul McDonald, who played for the USC, USC. Trojans. Lefty, right? Was he a lefty? Yep. He yeah. was a lefty yeah. when uh, Charles White is his running back. Marcus Allen played fullback on that team. That's how good that team was. <laughs> it, but his son was the quarterback for Bowling Green in the Rose Bowl against UCLA. Yeah. An empty Rose Bowl, unfortunately, yes. Yes. but a Rose Bowl nonetheless. Yeah. So now all of his sons have played a game. One was at New Mexico State, one at the Trojans, and one at Bowling yeah. Green have played in the venerable old granddaddy of them all. Where are we going for Rick's pick week number two? What are we doing? I like what's going on in Manhattan, Kansas. Chris Kleiman is the head coach there. Chris Kleiman came from North Dakota State where they win championships, you know, hand over fist at the FCS level. He's been at uh, Kansas State for some time. 
They get a quarterback, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. Adrian Martinez had come with Scott Frost with such hope, but a couple too many turnovers. But they had a nice win in their opener. They got a little running back uh, by the name of Deuce Bond. I like this team. They host Missouri this week, an old Big 12 rival. I'm going to take K-State. I think they're laying eight eight and and a half. Eight and a half. I like K-State in this one. Okay by a couple of touchdowns. We really need to cash a ticket. We need it bad. We, we need <laughs> some, some some Wildcats to do some work. Oh, dear. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuheiser, where would we be on Mitch Unfiltered without him? We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Look forward to it, my friend. There's just no question that John Waterstrat, owner of Fireside Home Solutions, is one of my heroes. Why? Well, his team helped us reimagine our backyard patio with a brand new fireplace unit that's been awesome. And number two, he's the title sponsor of all major championship pools that have been incredible on Mitch Unfiltered. How's that for an intro, John? Well, that's pretty cool. Thanks, Mitch. (laughs) So what's new in the world of fireplaces and garage doors? I know during summertime when we're on golf courses, we're not thinking about fireplaces, but that would be a mistake if you'd like to have a new one come football season. That's right, Mitch. Can't express enough that during these warm months when we want to be warm and we want to be cozy, we're not thinking about those things while it's warm outside. But when we're ready to get to that fall season, that first crisp fall day, we want to be able to turn on our products, whether you need your service or you want to buy a new one. We're here. The schedule's a little bit looser. Products becoming more available. And so great time to buy right now. Give us a sense of turnaround time as it compared to when we were in the in the heart of the pandemic, John. Yep. When we were the heart of the pandemic, it was six to eight weeks. We could probably get something done with less than two to three weeks now. And so it's really good. Product, again, is available. Our installers are waiting to get some products in there. And again, it's a great time to buy because right now, if you want to get it done quickly, we can get you on the schedule pretty quickly. What I love about you guys is the process, how you came to our house a couple of times, you evaluated the space, and then you come up with different options for different budgets. That's what you guys do at Fireside. It's really important for us to help you design, select. And so coming to the showroom is just one part of the process. We want to be able to help you look at your space, help you design that perfect fireplace. And then again, make sure all the expectations are met so the installers know what they're doing and they can quickly and efficiently get that product put in your house. John, I'm not going to let you go. I know you're a huge Seahawks fan and local sports fan. What do you think the first post-Russell Wilson season is going to look like here in Seattle. A lot of pain? Uh, a little. I think it's going to be painful, but I think we're going to be presently surprised. I think our defense will be much improved. We'll start running the ball more. And as we looked at it back in the days we won the Super Bowl, defense wins championships. Fireside Home Solutions has been a major part of the reason why we are now more than 200 episodes into this journey. If you are a Mitch Unfiltered fan, you enjoy the show, then I ask one thing of you. Begin your search for a new fireplace unit at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Burrow trying to keep it going, gets spun down, gets it away, and incomplete. It looked like Piron might have had a shot to make the grab, but the Rams now running down to celebrate with a defensive play. So what would another NFL season be without my favorite column, Football Morning in America? Our next guest has been doing this for a few years. How many years now, Peter? Uh, Well, let's see. This will be my 39th 
season that I've covered the NFL. Wow. And you're only yeah. and you're only 27 years old. How'd you how'd you accomplish that? I don't know. I really squeezed. <laughs> I really squeezed a lot of years into those 27. Yeah. And did I yeah. did I see where Peter King has a little streak going of accurately predicting teams to reach the Super Bowl? What's your What's your streak at these days? Well, since I got to NBC full time in 2018, I've picked. On Labor Day, I've written a column Mm -hmm. where I pick the two Super Bowl teams and the Super Bowl winner. And every one of the four years that I've done that, 18, 19, 20, and 21, I have gotten the winner correct on Labor Day. So I'm on a four-year streak after, I must say, being awful at it for the vast majority (laughs) of of my career. It just... I, I, you know, I picked it lousy every year. I, I mean, I'm kind of proud of that, but it, there's so much luck involved. You know, there has not been a team in the last four years that has shocked the world. Sometimes, Mitch, if I don't feel good about any team, I'll have a shocking pick. Like this year, I picked the Saints to be the number one seed in the, seed in the NFC and and the Ravens to be the number two seed in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And both of those, I'd say, were somewhat surprising based on the early reaction. But I actually feel very, very good about both of those teams. Mm-hmm. The Bills were arguably the best team in the sport at the end of last season in the playoffs. Do they have any weaknesses that you can tell, Peter? I don't think they have a dominating running game. Mitch, uh, and I think that could end up being a factor because I really get this sense that they do not want, they don't want Josh Allen to be running the way he has in the past. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I, I don't think they have a lot of notable weaknesses and they address what might be considered, I don't even call it their pass rush a weakness. It just wasn't great last year. And they signed Von Miller to to try to get better in that regard. So, you know, I think they're about as deep a team as there is in this sport. Well, the AFC is is crazy good, and we'll talk about it in a second. But it's been a long time since you and I have spoken, Peter. I think Russell Wilson was still with the local football team here in the Northwest the last time you and I spoke. Now part of an AFC West, which is crazy good. Their their worst team, the AFC West's worst team, might be better than some of the division winners. I mean, the AFC West is the deepest division of any division since the NFL two decades ago, 2002, went to 8-14 divisions. Mm-hmm. I could see any one of those teams making a playoff run. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pick Denver or the Raiders to make the playoffs, but it wouldn't surprise me if not only both of those teams made the playoffs, but won at least one playoff game. The reason that I think it's going to be hard for those teams, honestly, is if you look at the schedules, first of all, you've got six games that you're going to have against division teams, all of which will be, you know, really, really difficult. And in the case of Russell Wilson, for instance, although I think he's going to make a monstrous impact, uh, already has made a big impact on on the Broncos, but in the case of 
you know, the Broncos this year, I think if you look at some of the challenges of their schedule outside of the division, Mm -hmm. look at the end of their season. Okay. From December 1st on, they're at Baltimore, at the Rams, at Kansas City. Every one of those teams is a serious Super Bowl contender. In addition, they have Kansas City and the Chargers both at home uh, in the last month. So I think Russell Wilson has got some very good years left, but, you know, we'll see. Bill Parcells used to say they don't sell insurance for that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens. Did the contract surprise you in any way, Peter? No, because this is honestly what I thought when I was in camp. I said this to one of the Broncos executives. I said, it'll really surprise me if you don't get a deal done before the start of the season. And this person said, why? And I said, because the people who just bought this team, who have no idea what they're doing, also understand this about business. Prices of premier things never go down. You know, the quarterback price right now, uh, if you look at what Russell Wilson signed for, uh, in new money, it's what I think it's $49 million a year. Unless he is an abject failure this year, there was no way that they were going to be able to sign Russell Wilson for $49 million a year next March. There are some here, Peter, that believe he may not get a 100% love reaction on Monday night. He might hear a, a boo bird or two. Wouldn't surprise me. Why, Mitch, I'll ask you, what do you think? I think it'll be just about 100%. I made this comparison. A couple of weeks ago, I was in D.C., Peter, and I happened to attend the Juan Soto game, the first game back when he played oh, for the yeah. Padres after he yeah. was traded from the Nationals. Now, Soto and Wilson are not the same, but there's some similarities. Soto won a world championship there, helped bring a world championship there, and then when it came to signing time, he wanted a lot of money. He turned down the richest contract in the history of the sport and kind of, in a small way, forced his way out of Washington. And yet when he returned, he got a 150% standing ovation from 38,000 Washington Nationals fan. I can't can't imagine with everything that Russell Wilson accomplished here, no matter the way it ended, with everything that he accomplished here, both individually and team-wise, I can't imagine that it won't be nearly 100% love. I would agree with you. There are some markets and some rivalries. Like, I was at the first game that Johnny Damon played at Fenway Park after he left in free agency. The Red Sox won the World Series, and he left in free agency for the Yankees. And I remember uh, there was about three people in Fenway Park who stood and applauded. I was one of them. And a bu- and everybody else booed, and a bunch of people said, sit the F down. Right. But that's Red Sox-Yankees. Right. I think there is no rivalry between Denver and Seattle. You know, Russell Wilson was drafted after a punter 10 years ago. And he became far and away the greatest quarterback in franchise history. And maybe if the franchise is alive for a hundred more years, he'll still be the best quarterback in franchise history. And so 
I think there comes a time where you say, okay, look, for whatever reason, these two sides got very pissy with each other and it wasn't going to work. So let's just, you know, instead of being kicked off at him for semi-forcing his way out, let's just be grateful for the good times we had. That's how I would treat it if I were a fan. Two questions about the Seahawks, and then I'll ask you a couple of about your predictions in the Football Morning in America piece that's out now. You can read it online. Number one, were you at all curious? I mean, you were there in camp uh, for a minute or two. Were you at all curious, Peter, that Drew Locke didn't get much of a look after they went out and got him in the deal? That's question one. And question two is, do you get the sense that John and Pete have an idea as to who will be their opening day quarterback next year in 2023, whether it's a guy in the draft that they've got their eye on or somebody in free agency. Do you think they have a plan for who's going to be the starting quarterback next season? Well, I've thought a lot about this, Mitch. And I think of John Schneider as an excellent scout, even though his earlier drafts obviously Uh, have been a lot better than his more recent drafts. I still think of him as an excellent scout and an excellent judge of talent. But I also think of him as the ultimate pragmatist, which is, okay, let's see exactly where we are as a team right now. Where are we as a franchise? When he looks at it realistically, he says, all right, uh, it could be that either Drew Locke or Geno Smith will shock the world this year and have a great year and win this job for the, for the future. I doubt it, but maybe he will. And instead of clouding the situation by bringing in, let's say a Baker Mayfield or making some sort of offer for Garoppolo, which I doubt the 49ers would have accepted anyway, let's, be the best we can this year. But let's also understand that going into the draft next year, we could be in a very good position to get the long-term future quarterback of this team. Mm -hmm. Now, your first question, was I surprised? I was a little bit surprised. I would have thought that going in at training camp, that it would have been close to an even competition. It seems like they entered it with, we're going to give the first shot to Geno Smith, and then let's see what happens. And then after Drew Locke got COVID, uh, then the goose was cooked and it was over. But I don't think this is going to be the case for the year. I still think that Locke is going to get a few shots this year to – you know, to win this job and we'll see what happens. What form that takes, I don't know. We'll just see. But I do think right now it is in Geno Smith's hands. I think there's a faction of Seahawks fans that are frustrated, Peter, and I'll tell you why. Because everybody here feels like they know what Geno Smith is. Yeah, right. From from before he got to the Seahawks, he had some chances. Then he's had some chances here. Of course, there was the four or five game stretch when Russell was hurt. We saw him start games and play games, and it wasn't terrible, but it it was what it was. We feel like we know what he is. Drew Locke comes in, and he's much more an enigma. He's much more mysterious. Uh, We don't know, and, and there's a lot of Seahawks fans that think, okay, they went through training camp. 
and they went through three preseason games, and now we're getting ready for Denver. And I know that he that he had COVID for a, you know four or five days in there, but we went through all of this time, and we still have no idea what Drew Locke brings to the table as we begin the season. So I think that's led to frustration because Seahawks fans would just like to know what do we have here before we start the year in Drew Locke. I mean, you went out, you went out, and you made a a point to bring him in as part of the trade, didn't you? Yep. I understand, and fans probably have a right to be frustrated. However, look, at some point this year, you're going to get a heaping helping of Drew Locke, okay. and you'll find out. Okay. All right, so I'm not going to make you go through all the divisions because people can read it on Football Morning in America, which, by the way, is still the best football read, NFL read. It's a little of everything. He throws a little pop culture in there. He throws a little lifestyle in there. I'll cherry pick a couple things that interested me when I read it last night. Number one, who's the second best team in the AFC East? The Patriots or my beloved Dolphins? Oh, the Dolphins far and away. Okay. I think the Patriots are going to, I think they're going to have a struggle this year. And I think that struggle will start Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Okay. I don't see playmakers on offense and I don't, I'm unsure about how good they're going to be on defense, especially after losing JC Jackson from a secondary in a league now where people are going to throw it 60% of the time. I think the Dolphins are clearly better than New England right now. Okay, you mentioned a couple of these teams. Who's better, the Ravens or the Bengals? You mentioned that you have the Ravens finishing higher in the AFC hierarchy at the end of the year. Who's better? Who's a better football team, do you think? It's close. I think it's really close. I think it is almost a coin flip, but I do think at the end of the day, the Ravens are a little bit of a tougher out than Cincinnati is when both teams are healthy. I think roster-wise, the Ravens are better, particularly through the roster on defense, healthy, especially at the cornerback position at full health. I, I think the Ravens are a little bit better. Now, as I said in my column, you know, I think the best game potentially in the last game of the year, potentially, yeah. looking at it now, is Baltimore at Cincinnati. Yeah. I think that could end up being that, you know, what the Chargers and Raiders were last year on Sunday night, game 272. Mm-hmm. If they're both battling for the division title, I think that could be a really great game. But I just think healthy other than there's a glaring difference between the teams at wide receiver. The Bengals have two wide receivers better than any that, that the Ravens have, and maybe even three. It depends on how Rashad Bateman comes through for Baltimore this year. But I just I probably like Baltimore's defensive depth a little bit better. I, I know I like it better than I like Cincinnati. You talked about how the AFC West is one of the best divisions since they went to four divisions. You also talked about how they're going to kill each other in the games within the division. What is that going to mean to playoff berths from that division? How many teams from the AFC West get in? And I can tell you this, um, it's easy to lose track of the Raiders just because of of the talk around the Chiefs quarterback and the Chargers quarterback. And now Russell Wilson comes to division I think the Raiders are really, really good and and could be really 
a team that comes out of the woodworks this year? No question about it. I think any one of those four teams could win a playoff game this year and not just make it. That was the hardest thing I had to do because I love all four of those teams. I think all four are top 12 teams in the NFL this year. The problem is once you start knocking each other off, and, you know, I mentioned Denver's yeah, and, schedule and yeah, why yeah. and why it is so difficult. But the other part of it is, like, when I look at the Chargers, who I picked to win the division. So the Chargers, in the first five days of the season, you know, basically have games against the Raiders at home, and then they have to go 1,700 miles on a short week and go to Kansas City and play – Kansas City's home opener in a sea of red where they're not going to be able to hear from the start of the game to the end. And again, the Chargers could be in an incredible spot right. if after the first five days they're 2-0, and but they also could be 0-2, mm-hmm. you know, on Thursday after the second game of the year. But I agree with you. I, I visited Raiders camp and I love what they're doing. There's so much about it that I, that I think is outstanding. I worry about their secondary quite a bit, especially in that division. I think they could really get lit up. I worry about the right side of their offensive line, which is a mess. So I don't know that Derek Carr is going to be able to have the time that you need to hit two great wide receivers, you know, like he has in Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams. Final question. You like New Orleans. You mentioned it uh, a lot. I think you have them as the number one seed in the NFC, which is a little unconventional considering they don't have one of these mega quarterbacks like everybody else we're picking has. What is it about the Saints that strikes your fancy, Peter? There's two things about the Saints that really interest me. Number one, I think they have an absolutely premier receiving core if, if, if Michael Thomas can make it through most or all of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added Chris Olave in the draft, who I love, and they added one of the toughest big game and clutch receivers in football, Jarvis Landry. I love Jarvis Landry. And I think they returned. They were seventh-rated defense in football last year, and I think they'll be better than seventh this year. I just think whether it's Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton playing quarterback, you know, look, I think a lot of people say, wow, you didn't pick the Bucks in that division. One of the most interesting current stats in the NFL. When Tom Brady signed with the Bucks, okay, before the 2020 season, from that point on, he's faced the New Orleans Saints four times in the regular season. He's 0-4, and none of the four games has been a one-score game. Wow. I just think... The Saints have something going for them. I just got a feeling after I left them this summer that these guys are going to be really, really good. So we'll see. And, hey, look, I mean, it's an odd pick, really, because they lose their head coach, who is a a really, really good head coach, in Sean Payton, and now Dennis Allen comes in. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I, I like the Saints. Bills versus Packers, according to the Football Morning in America column. We will be checking in from time to time on you, Peter. Thank you so much for all that you do. You're terrific. 
The writing remains stellar, and I can't wait to catch up with you as the NFL season progresses. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you very much, Mitch. You, you have a great year. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the CEO of Daniels Broiler and Wingpoint member guest champion, Lindsey Schwartz. Should we tell everybody that it was like Flight 26, or should we leave that part out? Well, we should leave it out because it's not true. It's also not true that I was the overall champion, but we were champions of the fifth flight, okay. which I feel pretty good about. And, and you know, you probably think you'd be in the first flight, but I'm, I'm guessing you'd be like in the third or fourth. Third flight. or fourth flight. Only only one flight ahead of Lindsay Schwartz. Yeah, one. <laughs> now, you've always done the bourbon bash in Bellevue. I think it's like 11 years running. Is this the first time you're going to do it downtown at the location in the Hyatt? Yes? Yeah, it is the first time. We're super excited. You know, we sell out every year in Bellevue. We decided, let's add a second one. Let's do two this year. So this Saturday night, we're doing it at Daniel's Broiler, downtown Seattle. We're doing it in the Rick House Lounge, which you've been to. Mm -hmm. It's a super cool venue, like perfect for a bourbon bash. It's got the bourbon barrels and uh, a huge selection of whiskey. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We haven't talked about the downtown location a lot. What's the progress over there since the pandemic? Yeah, you know, I mean, that was closed for several months. And uh, we opened the bar, just bar only about a year ago. And then a few months ago, we've opened the dining room. So now the bar and dining room are open seven nights a week. It's getting a little bit busier every week. We're really happy with the progress. As a matter of fact, I took the family to Hamilton a couple of weeks oh. ago. And uh, we parked at the Hyatt, had dinner at Daniel's, walked to the Paramount. It's like a block and a half away. The show's awesome, by the way. I know you're a, you're a big musical guy. Have you seen Hamilton? I have not seen Hamilton. I've, oh. I've seen the TV version, but I've not been to a show of Hamilton. How many times have you seen it? You know, I've seen it a few. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, people are going to make fun of me. I have seen it, and I love it. And you definitely should do it, and you definitely should have dinner yeah, at Daniel's yeah. before. How about football season at Daniel's? I don't know that people kind of connect Daniels for football season, but there's some there's some opportunities at Les Shy before and after games and viewing opportunities at Bellevue. Tell us about football season at Daniels. Yeah, transitioning from musicals to football, <laughs> only on Mitch's podcast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, football, you know, Les Shy is open for lunch every day, including the weekends, and that's a great place to go before a game. I do it all the time before Seahawks games, mm -hmm. and every once in a while I'll go to a Husky game. It's super conveniently located to both those stadiums, so great place to go for lunch. All three Seattle locations are convenient for dinner after a football game, and then I like watching games at Bellevue in Prime 21 up there. We've got the big screen TV and the couches, and it's a really fun place to watch a game. I got to tell you, Daniels Broiler has been an amazing partner since the radio days and now with Unfiltered since the beginning. When you think of football, maybe you don't quickly think of Daniels Broiler, but now you will. Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Stuff segment, episode 205, Hot Shot Scott. A couple of quick auction items. You know I love this stuff. The, yes. gl the gloves that Holyfield wore against Mike Tyson and the ear-biting oh, fight. I have, I have an update for you, Mitch Unfiltered update, but go ahead. Okay, yes. so the, yes. the gloves that he wore, yes. they're barely used because I think it was stopped after the third round. I don't yep. know. Those yep. are up for auction. They're at $12,000, but they figured that to go up substantially. Now, the, the DL-44 heavy blaster pistol from Star Wars... I know you can picture that. The one that, that Han Solo used in the original Star Wars, though. It's one of the original props he used in the movie just sold. Yeah. Just over a million dollars at auction oh, for a fake prop gun. 
I know the the nerds have money now, and it's on. They'll did, buy it all. Did you see that that Mickey Mantle baseball card was was sold a couple of weeks ago? Did we talk about that last no. week? I think the guy got twelve million for it. It's the it's the highest priced <sighs> baseball card in the history of baseball cards. Wow! That guy is on episode two hundred six. He's joining us this week. Really? Yeah. Next show. Wow. The man wait. who sold the Mickey Mantle rookie for, I believe, $12 million. I think I have my, my numbers oh. have that right. But go ahead. You do another one because I've got a, I've got a Serena Williams other stuff, a topic to talk about. So Every, you go. Everyone loves fair season. Not you so much because you're kind of an antisocial weirdo. I like but everyone fair. loves I like the, the fair. fair but yeah. every year we get these stories, it sounds like. Yeah. An amusement park ride that oh. encircled a tower high above the earth, crashed oh. to the ground in dramatic fashion, injuring lots of people. This happened in India. The drop tower ride was 50 feet above the Ooh. ground and presumably was supposed to make a slow descent, but the exact opposite happened. Spun in circles as it plummeted down. Now, there were 30 people on the ride. At least 10 were injured. Some were taken to the hospital. Luckily, nobody died. But this part kind of made me laugh it away. But there are reports that operators of the ride fled the area after the mishap. <laughs> so I'm glad we're, I'm, I'm glad we're not the, the only country that, you know, that, that where ex-cons are on meth or running these rides. Like, oh, every, every country, I think, has that. They fled the area. Like, I don't make enough to get sued. I'm out of here, man. Yeesh. Anyway, we can laugh because nobody died. But the, those fair rides, man, have fun. Good luck to you. Are you going to the fair this year? Of course. We go every year. I love it. It's coming up, isn't it? It's already been cracking off, yeah. Really? Well, the They don't call it the Puyallup Fair anymore. It's not. We're not doing the Puyallup anymore. I don't anymore. think it's... It's the Washington State Fair. Washington State Fair, yeah. yeah. But like this past week, Labor Day weekend, it was like yeah. dead, I heard. There was like no one there. Everyone's out of oh, town. Or, I know. That would have been a great time to a go. A friend of mine sent me a pic. He's like, you going to go on rides? Yes, if the lines weren't four miles long, I would maybe go on Do a ride. Do they have the half woman, half sheep there this year? Well, I, don't, I don't think it's a freak show from like the 50s. I don't Do they have the mirrors where you see yourself as short, like, <laughs> like at the fun stretch. house? Yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah, they yeah. have that. Yeah. I could use the one that stretches you out a little bit. Do you, uh, do, do you know that Serena Williams has uh, said goodbye to the tennis world? Do you know that story? Yeah, I have it in my stuff, but I'm sure you'll do a better job since you actually watch tennis. So go ahead. I yes. do watch tennis. Yeah. Do you know how I feel about Serena Williams or do you not know how I feel about Serena? From the... From our days together on Mitch Unfiltered. Do you have any sense of how Mitch feels about Serena Williams? I think you think she's not a very nice person. I don't love Serena Williams. Okay. And it's really, really hard to not love somebody now when they're one of the greatest of all time and they're going through their retirement right. and they're saying goodbye and everybody's throwing bouquets and everybody loves them. Everybody's tweeting. They're the greatest of all time. She had Tiger Woods in her U.S. Open box. She had Russell Wilson and Sierra in her U.S. Open oh. box. I mean, everybody in the world is saying, yep. oh my God, Serena Williams, Serena Williams. And it's hard for me because I'm standing here never really appreciating. I mean, I do appreciate what she accomplished on the court. She's revolutionized the game. She's probably the most important single figure in the women's game in history, con considering what yeah. she's done, bringing in minorities and so forth. But I've never liked Serena Williams, the person. Okay. And it's hard to be on that island right now when everybody's in love with <laughs> yeah. Serena Williams. So I don't really know how to handle this. This goes back up. I don't know how much I want to say. I'll say this, that my, my parents used to live in a home that was two doors down or three doors down from Serena and Venus. Did I ever mention that to you? No. That I'd see Serena and v Venus all... Whenever I went to visit my parents, like Christmas time, okay. I would always see them. And there was always one nice one and one really, really kind of grumbling, not nice one. Gotcha. And Venus was the nice one. Okay. 
And it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Venus was always there with a smile and she'd say hi or she'd wave if she walked by you. And the other one, Serena, would like put her put her head down and like pretend that you don't exist. Yeah. And so she's going through this goodbye. And I had to read to you, if you don't mind, Phil. Mu now, the other part to me that that I don't particularly I'm not fond of her is I don't think she's behaved very well. I don't think she's been a very good sport over the years. She's had well. her moments of like yelling at umpires. Really? Are they called umpires? Yeah, I think they're called umpires. Yeah, refs. refs whatever yeah, you know. want to call them. But yes, like, yeah, having temper tantrums on the field. Do you know the name Phil Mushnick? No. So Phil Mushnick is a longtime New York Post writer, sports writer, who's really, his, his claim to fame is he was one of the original kind of sports slash radio columnists. Gotcha, okay. He would review like local, local radio guys, local TV guys, national TV guys. But every once in a while, he writes an opinion piece on something unrelated to, to radio and television. And this week he wrote about Serena Williams. Okay. And I just would like to read a little bit of an excerpt of his column in the New York Post. Here's the title. Here's the headline. Phil Mushnick. The headline is, Hot Shot, media can now finally stop ignoring Serena Williams' rotten behavior. Huh. Well, he writes, we media folks have done it again. We've taken indisputable, recurring, and conspicuous facts and buried them to create a sustainable fiction in service to nervous, cautious lies. This week, coast to coast, and via all forms of media, Serena Williams was crowned as more than a world championship tennis player. She is a woman of extraordinary valor and class. Doesn't matter how much evidence to the contrary, and there's plenty, it was wishful, ignorant, obligatory, and unnecessary rubbish, writes Phil Mushnick. Tennis may never again be graced by a woman who was such a relentless, rotten winner and worse loser. Wow. She and only she was the reason she won or lost. If she ever extended credit to an opponent, it was heard as insincere, brief, parenthetical, and cold. Williams' livid, wild-eyed tantrum at the chair umpire during the 2018 Open. I remember that one. He detected that she was cheating. Even Williams' last go at, William, at Wimbledon a couple of months ago this summer was tethered to reports of excessive self-entitlement. Wimbledon held a centenary celebration marking 100 years of its center court. Past champs, including injured Roger Federer, flew in for the occasion. Williams blew it off. She was miffed that the five luxury courtesy cars that she and her entourage requested and were provided were expected to be returned the day after she was eliminated, which are the house rules. This week... ESPN's lead open voices, Chris Fowler, John McEnroe, and Chrissy Everett, swapped all glory to Serena sonnets, artificially sweetened fairy tales, mm -hmm. hot shot. <laughs> Having witnessed much of Williams' excessive misconduct, there is nothing better to conclude that their commentary was transparently and intentionally dishonest. Wow. So I'm not the only one yeah, who feels way. the way I feel about Serena Williams. Anyway. Yeah. I can't get over her being my crush for the last 25 years. Who, Chrissy Everett? Uh, no. Serena Williams? Big fan. 
Like all my friends, if they were here right now, would be laughing at you talking about Serena and me not bringing it up. Really? She was my number one. I thought I, I was in. Lo- I thought she was so. I was in love with her, and now you're ruining it for me, telling me she's a bad no, sport. No, she's I'm not. Grumbles. She growls. Why did you she... tell me that before I went on this? <laughs> rant? That doesn't mean she's a nice person. She, trust me. Wait, didn't she go out with CC Sabathia for a second? Is Maybe. That... Yeah. So I might that have had a chance. Familiar. He ain't no Adonis, right? Now that I think about it. Although he's got a couple more bucks than me, so maybe not. Anyway, did you see? So you said I didn't know that she was a crush of yours. Oh, for a long time. Big fan. Huge fan. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you see? So there were lots of famous people, as you said there. Did you see the TV announcers who uh, showed Gladys Knight in the crowd? No. Well, is it Mary Carrillo? Yeah. So Mary Mary Carrillo and Shanda Rubin, they were behind the mic for ESPN. And Shanda says... Got some more stars. Mary, oh, Gladys Knight. Shanda, Gladys Knight. Mary, hello. Problem was, it was Dionne Warwick. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, so Shanda. Would, by the way, yeah. you can call me whatever you'd like. Yeah. I would never make that mistake. Uh, I could, Dionne Warwick, like, uh, yeah, okay. I know. Dionne Warwick, there's nobody who looks like Dionne Warwick. No. No, there's not, especially now. No, I mean, do you know the way to San Jose? (laughs) (laughs) And Dionne Warwick's wasn't Whitney Houston in some way related Uh, to God, God, daughter uh, or something? Anyway, I want to say that Shanda went to social media to explain what happened during the flub. She said, "Too bad I was initially looking at the court where Gladys was in the stands." And not at our program monitor that showed Miss Dion. So Gladys Knight was there? Well, that's what I was wondering. Now, if Gladys Knight wasn't even there, it turns out she was oh, like I in see. Acapulco. I see. Turns out Gladys Knight was, in fact, in the building. Okay, good. So it could have been an honest mistake, but it would have been awesome if she was I didn't even know there. that Dion Warwick was still alive. Oh, she's a big Twitter sensation now. Get out of here. She, she got on it like a year ago, maybe? Oh. For the first time? I got to follow Dion Warwick. She's kooky. She's really kooky, she's but it's gotta fun. She's got to be old, doesn't she? And... Yeah, um, I think she's, I want to say... 80s, 90s? It's 81, I think. Really? And Gladys Knight, I, th- I want to say, is 78. Uh, but Dion jokingly tweeted out, I'm Gladys Knight, and instead of taking that mid- midnight train to Georgia, <laughs> I, w- I won't walk on by, but we'll say a little prayer for you. So she's... Uh... And then, of course, Gladys Knight didn't care. She's, she just said, you know, what happens, it's an honest mistake. And I was thinking, remember a time when people were allowed to make mistakes in life? <laughs> people just, like, moved on and let them... Let it be an honest mistake. No one got canceled for this no, one. So no. anyway, Dion Warwick's a fun follow on Twitter if you haven't if you haven't done Speaking that. Speaking of Twitter, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. who's getting ready to start his NFL season like everybody else. He's also, I don't know if you know this, in the midst of a of a contract negotiation. He's asking for a lot of money. And he's representing, you know, the agent that represents Lamar Jackson? Who? Lamar Jackson. Really? He's representing himself like Bobby Wagner did. Who was and the like tackle? Like Richard Sherman did. And like uh, uh, Okung. Okung, that's the one thing. Okung yeah. did, Lamar Jackson. Um, wow. Apparently, in the midst of contract negotiations, some fan of the Miami Dolphins <laughs> photoshopped a picture of Lamar Jackson in a Miami Dolphin <laughs> uniform. Uh, people love and it. And Jackson liked the tweet. Wow. So That's, do we have a problem with that? Is that okay or is that not okay? I, it, there's probably a reason why it's best to have someone represent you, I think. Because, yeah, you'll do something like that and maybe show your show your hand. I don't, yeah, I don't know. You probably should not be liking. I, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. I just. He's a South Florida guy. Yeah. He's a Miami guy. I think he was 
think he went to high school in Miami oh, or Fort did. Lauderdale. And him liking his it hometown team. It doesn't mean he's going to go there. You know, it just could be a nothing. I just people like tweets. And if you're Facebook a Ravens fan, does that put you off a little bit that right before the start of the season in the middle? In the middle of contract <laughs> negotiations, you're liking a picture of yourself in the Miami Dolphins jersey? No? Well, wouldn't you put it that way? Maybe a little bit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> didn't okay. Kelnick do some weird Instagram stuff too? Like, didn't did you see that story? He pulled some stuff down about him being a Mariner and like, no. okay, all right. I mean, no. I don't have it, I, but yeah. yeah. People get all worked up about what people do on their social media. It's just hilarious to me. Okay. Yeah. Hey, your buddy Eminem's taking home an Emmy. You see that? No. What would Eminem win an Emmy for, you're asking? Was he on a sitcom recently? Was he. The Super Bowl halftime show. Remember? Was he on? With Dr. Dre. I and, don't remember. Yeah, yes, Snoop, yes, yes. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, yes. Kendrick Lamar, and 50 Cent, that really cool halftime show. Well, he is now a Tony away from the prestigious EGOT. You know what the EGOT is, right? No. You win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. It's like the... Wow. That's the... What do they call it? Uh, whatever. It's the big four in entertainment. The, yeah. So he's a Tony away from being one of those Wasn't people. Wasn't the weekend in that show or no? Uh, Kendrick Lamar. The weekend might have been there, but it, I, I don't. Okay. F- he's not listed. I know he blew his voice out over yeah, the weekend. I was going to bring that up. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I was just going to bring it up. I, yeah. I don't have it on my list. Dion Oric, by the way, tweeted at the weekend Hey, babe, I've been there. I know what it's like. <laughs> it's like she loves it now. She loves you it. You follow Dion Warwick? Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. But she, like, loves the weekend. You follow Dion Warwick? Of course. I love that. She's great. I love, love Dion Warwick. She's got one song that I just absolutely think is just an incredible piece of music. And I, I, I know you'll know it, and it's not coming to me right now. And I wish. I wish I could remember it because I know you'll I, I know you'll know it and love it. God, I wish I could remember. Right, you do a story and I'll find it. I guarantee you're gonna like this song. We, so we've talked about Marshawn Lynch, right? Dude, I have a lot of stuff on him. Okay, so you want to go? go? Go ahead. I, I just have the New York Post article that says, in the wake of this latest incident with him behind the wheel asleep, where they pulled him out of the car yep. in Las Vegas, it turns out that months before he was in a car accident, according to police documents obtained by TMZ. Always TMZ. uh, You can laugh at them all you want. Lynch was driving a 2014 white Lamborghini on February 22nd when he struck a curb and eventually came to a stop in a landscaped area. The Las Vegas Metropolitan PD said a man claiming to be Lynch's cousin Initially took responsibility for the crash at the scene and told police he tried to make a U-turn and lost it. Right. Well, then the police didn't believe the story. And they actually saw a van pull up. Right. And somebody get in and somebody get out. So they think the they cousin, played swaps. They played swap. Yeah. Protecting the, the former. Correct. Star running back. Yeah. And so Marshawn basically went to the station and just came clean and said, yeah, okay. yeah, he came me. clean. I was driving. He goes, I don't even know who the guy was who who took the, the heat for this, which sounds weird. Really? You don't know some guy's just going to... No. The whole thing is bizarre, but I was thinking, remember when Marshawn did the whole cow car thing? Of course. Everyone remembers the golf cart. Of course. That should have been maybe a, a red flag for what was to come with this guy. Wow. He's had some troubles with vehicles. Well, you remember the thing in Buffalo. Didn't he hit a pedestrian in, in, yeah. in Buffalo? I forgot all that. That was a yeah. DUI, I think, too. So that was 2008. Uh, he had a yeah, no, it was a hit, a hit and run in 2008, yes. a DUI in 2014, a DUI a couple months ago. And then now this weird thing with this with this Lamborghini. Yeah, I, I don't think vehicles are for him. No, or get a bike, get a bicycle or something. How about man? a driver? He's wealthy uh, enough to have a driver. Do you think he can afford a driver? Get a driver. Yeah, I know. A lot of stuff going on with him yeah. with the vehicles. Yeah. Anyway, the song is called Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. Oh, there's been like ten songs called Heartbreaker. So yeah. it's I, I don't really don't want to sing it, but Go ahead, I sing it. Uh, all right, 
What did you have to be a heartbreaker? Never knew. Yeah, that one. Great song. I know that song. Next time you're in your car, crank. I like that song. Crank that one up. Oh God, it's awesome. It just sounds gorgeous. I love. I do like that song. That's a good one, right? Yeah. It wasn't like a huge hit. Since when do you and I like the same songs? I know what's happening to me. I gotta. I gotta. Second guess what's going on in my life. All right, the sweatshirts designed for the University of California, Irvine, yes. which were being sold at three Costco locations in Orange County, yes. misspelled the school's name as UC Irvine with a U. Er. Oh. Yeah, anteaters. And after recognizing the mistake, the Costco stores took immediate action to have them oh, yanked. Jesus. But there's something funny about a college being misspelled. I don't know. It's, God. Now they're becoming collector's items. If you can get your hands on one, there people are wanting them. I don't have much to say about this next topic, except except that I think we should at least recognize it. Okay. Are you familiar with the whole Edwin Diaz entry in New York? The the former Mariners closer comes in with the trumpets blasting yeah. and the song Narco, and now Timmy Trumpet, whoever that is, decided to do a live rendition. Is that not the coolest thing? It's. I was so jealous when I saw it. It is so effing cool. I, I can't stop watching it. Even so if good. it wasn't a live version, yes. like even if it was just played, it's a cool intro. The well, that's fact, Normally, it's just played. But I'm saying that's, that's, that's cool enough. As, and then to hear it live, oh. and he nails it. It's, oh. I know, it's, I'm so jealous. I don't know what it is. That's just so cool. Such I think a cool that's thing. the best thing going in sports right now. <laughs> Edwin Diaz. And by the way, do you know who the Mariners got for Edwin Diaz? I don't want to know. Jared Kelnick. Really? Is that right? I think Jared Kelnick. I think Edwin Diaz was in the wow. Jared Kelnick deal. Yeah. The guy who pulled his stuff off Instagram? Yeah, that guy? Yeah, that guy. I wish he could be part of this run, man. He deserves it. I feel, uh, he deserves it? As a person. <laughs> as a person. Maybe not as a player. All right, you see the pilot that threatened to cancel the flight to Cabo? The pilot. No. No, I did not. He basically did what dad did and turned around and said, if you guys don't knock this shit off, I'm turning this plane around. He did the same thing because people were airdropping nude pictures to people on the plane. <laughs> God. Remember we talked about how fun it is to airdrop random things? Yeah, but things? it doesn't work because nobody's ever on anymore. No. Everybody turns off their airdrop. Well, people apparently had it on. There's a TikTok video who's, who, uh, who showed it, and you can <laughs> even hear the pilot. He comes on with full dad authority saying, if this continues while we're on the ground. How did he know that it was going on? That's the first He must question. have got one, or maybe. <laughs> they they airdropped the maybe, pilot? Maybe, maybe the stewardesses were getting them, and they oh, were Jesus. pissed and told the pilot. They're called and, flight attendants, hotshot. Yeah, flight attendants, And they yes. hand out biscotti cookies. Sometimes, yes. yes. Uh, he said, if this continues while we're on the ground, I'm going to have to pull back to the gate. Everybody's really? going to have to get off. We're going to have to get security involved. And really? The vacation is going to be ruined. That's what the pilot said. He was pissed. Not happy, the pilot. He said, so you folks, whatever that airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures and let's get ourselves to Cabo. (laughs) Is that really? Yeah, he was pissed. There's a TikTok video of it if you want to hear hear him saying it. Oh, jeez. No more fun with airdrop. It's over. No one likes it anymore, everybody. Hotshot, the family of Gabriel Davies. Do you know who Gabriel Davies is? No. The 16-year-old murder suspect from Olympia was asking for help to pay for his legal fees and bring him home. A GoFundMe page went live sometime on Saturday afternoon, September the 3rd, a day after Davies was booked into Remen Hall, Pierce County's juvenile detention facility on suspicion of second-degree murder, first-degree burglary, and unlawful gun possession. It stayed up for less than 24 hours. The fundraising goal was $25,000. The numbers had reached 20000 as of 11 a.m. on Sunday, September the 4th. But according to GoFundMe's terms of service, the platform is not supposed to be used to raise money connected to violent crimes. So specifically, it says... 
content that reflects or promotes behavior that we deem in our sole discretion, GoFundMe, yeah. to be an abuse of power or in support of the legal defense of alleged crimes associated with hate, violence, harassment, and more. Uh, they pulled it down. By Sunday noon, donations had been turned off, uh. and the site states it's because the charity connected to this fundraiser is no longer supported by our payment partner. I can confirm that we removed the fundraiser and all donors will be refunded their money, said spokesperson Angelique McNaughton. Our terms of service prohibit fundraising for the legal defense of an alleged violent crime. Wow. It's not really surprising, though. I mean, isn't no. there the, the son of Sam rule? Like, you can't murder a family of five and then go write a book about it in prison and keep the money, right? I mean, is, aren't there laws about that? I think. Profiting off of your crimes. So. Certainly, there's GoFundMe rules. And he's not guilty until he's well, proven that's guilty. That's the other part. People would yeah. say he's, what if he's completely second. innocent? That's right. Why can't we yeah. raise yeah, yeah. funds yeah. for his defense? Or at least know. let him keep what was donated and then turn it off. They didn't even let they him do did, that. Didn't even, he should have cashed out early. He got greedy. Kept it up there. Cashed it out after 15 Gs and move on. I got a couple of RIPs. You want to do that? Yeah, let me give you a quick one about yep. Scotty Pippen's ex, sure. Larza Pippen. Yep. She was seen on a date in Miami with none other than Marcus Jordan. Michael's second oldest son. Scotty wow. Pippen's ex-wife was on a date with Michael Jordan's son. Uh-oh. Just, just to rub more into, uh -oh. into Scotty's life, Michael just continually just pisses him off. <laughs> so she's 48 years old, and, and Mark, Marcus Jordan is 31. So 17-year difference. Not the biggest, but still. What, so what's Scotty, Scotty Pippen's wife and ex-wife yeah. ex and Michael Jordan's yeah. son. Scotty probably knew him when he was like born. Jesus. This kid, I know. He, he's still not over the whole documentary thing. I, now, now he's got this. To I know. Deal with. I know. <laughs> he just keeps just uh, putting the thorn in his side. All right, I I tweeted this out. This was so incredible. So you know Taylor Hawkins. We talked about the drummer yeah, for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, the son. You yeah, see it? Yeah. Sixteen years old, playing drums with his yeah. dad's old band, the Foo Fighters. There was a tribute really concert in London. He played on a song called Hero. It's called My Hero. I don't know if you ever heard the song, but it's it's a great song. And he kept it together for three minutes on the drums playing a song, My Hero, in his dad's old band. So uh -huh. anyway, pretty inc pretty incredible night. Paul McCartney showed Brian May and Roger Taylor from Queen, uh, Chris Rock, Wolfgang Van Halen, Brian Johnson from ACDC, Lars Ulrich, on and on. John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin showed up. Yeah. Pretty incredible night for the. And they're going to have one in L.A. And I can imagine everyone on earth is going to want to attend that. So I can't wait for that one. I got a couple RIPs. Mikhail Gorbachev was 91 years old, the reformer of the Soviet Union. I have that. Uh, Ernie Shavers. Did that name mean anything to you when you found out that he passed away? If you found out that he passed away? I didn't away? know he passed away, but I know the name. Ernie Shavers, 78 years old, former professional heavyweight, oh, not right. champion, yeah. boxer. Yeah, yeah. During the Muhammad Ali, yep. George Foreman, Kenny Norton, Joe Frazier, right. Ron Lyle. Ernie Shavers, yeah. Ernie Shavers had a bald head. I don't know if you can... You can recall or you can picture him, but Ernie Shavers had the reputation. And this is the same heavyweight division that a guy named George Foreman was fighting <laughs> yeah. at the time. And Muhammad Ali, but George Foreman in particular. Ernie Shavers had the reputation of being the hardest hitter that had ever come along wow. in the heavyweight division. Muhammad Ali said after their fight, Ernie hit me so hard, it shook my kinfolk in Africa. <laughs> God, very Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Ron Lyle, after fighting Ernie Shavers in the 1970s, said, hey, man, that's the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. And George Foreman could punch, but none of them could hit like Ernie Shavers did. Wow. When he hit you, the lights went out. And I can laugh now about it, but at the time, it wasn't funny. Wow. 
I mean, what a, the hardest hitter of that generation was Ernie Shavers, and he passed away this week at the age of seventy-eight. What a what a time for heavyweight boxing, right? Oh my god! I mean, forget it. Right? That's all what, those yeah. names in there, oh. beating the crap out of oh, each Jesus. other every few months. Holy shit! <laughs> Amazing. All right, yes. we're laughing, but these are becoming all too common. It feels like. Do you see the story about Nina? I think it's Pacholki, no, former point guard at the USF women's basketball team, was found dead after reportedly oh. making suicidal statements. Yeah, it feels like these are becoming either we're hearing about them more or they're becoming more common. She was 27 oh. years old. Police arrived, uh, no answer at the door, so they eventually weighed their may in made their way in foul play not not suspected her sister told the tampa bay times the former basketball player died by suicide oh. so yeah she worked as a morning anchor for news nine in wisconsin oh, really? as well yeah for oh, a little bit after her playing days after her playing days wow. yeah so rest in peace I'm to, so to nina to me too um actor bob lupone i'm probably not saying that right but sopranos fans remember is dr bruce cusomano the family physician and next door neighbor to tony he also starred in sex in the city guiding guiding light all my children mm-hmm. for which he got a daytime emmy he was nominated for a tony award for this was interesting for his work in the original run of a chorus line oh the original run of a my chorus line favorite right show. i mean that ain't nothing that's pretty cool he so. was in the original yeah. chorus line original chorus line yep Nominated for a Tony for his work in the original original. Do we know what role line. he played? No. Uh, yeah. So even convincing the director to play the role of Zach after the original cast member left the show, he received a Best Featured Actor Tony Very nomination good. for the role. Seventy six years old. Very good. Very cool. Okay, you got Gorbachev. I did. I got Ernie Shavers. I'm ready for some headlines. Yep, that's it. That's all I got to you headlines. Have I have a couple. Any headlines that are worthy of talking? About? A man farted in a police officer's <laughs> oh, face after being after being nabbed for shoplifting beer. <laughs> He pled guilty to robbery, shoplifting, <laughs> criminal damage, and possession of a silent but deadly weapon. We talked about the, we talked about the couple in Oakland who were engaging in illicit behavior in the stands. Remember that couple in Oakland? Oh, of course. Well, that now, was during a Mariners game. That's right. That's why Luis Castillo didn't pitch well that day. Apparently, they were Mariner fans and very excited. Now, a pair of Blue Jays fans were yes. escorted out of Rogers Center for yes. full-on relations in the 500 level. Yep. I can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure that's not what the John Fogarty song is about. If you know, you know. Yeah. An Ohio man who suffered 20,000 bee stings and ingested 30 bees, ingested 30 bees, finally woke up from his coma and is expected to fully recover. Oh. Still no word on how long he'll continue to shit honey. A woman is selling... That's just good science. A woman is selling custom-made jewelry created with traces of human sperm. Turns out her business is going swimmingly. Black China made $240 million just from her OnlyFans account in 2021. Who? Black China. I don't know who that is. Cardi B made $108 million just from OnlyFans. The person who owns OnlyFans made $517 million in two years. Not to be outdone, Scott and Mitch shared a buy one, get one free at Wendy's last week. So doing the podcast has totally been worth it. God. All righty. We hope everybody had a good Labor Day weekend. Listen, uh, we've got lots more patron shows going to be added to the schedule this week. So become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. Get all the extra shows. Just cost you $5 a month. And again, if you're having trouble coming up with a $5 a month, just let me know. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. We've got Beat the Boys that yep. starts up again this uh, this week. Uh, the password is Mitch. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Everybody who beats us, three football games each week for 18 weeks. 54 games. If you beat the boys, you win a prize. No questions asked. And we've got some really good prizes. Yep. And next week's episode 206 will also be a Tuesday release. 
because of the Monday night clash wow. between the uh, Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Okay? Are you going to give a prediction on that game? Score-wise? Yeah, I already did. It's on the uh, Seahawks note table this week it on is. this show. Okay, I will listen. So you listen, but I can tell you. want me to tell you what I, I do, say? yes. 24-20, Seahawks. Really? I was the only one of the three of us on the note table that picked the Seahawks. The other two huh. picked the Broncos. But did it? Well, I'll, I'll listen. I'm just curious. To yeah, people. listen. You ought to listen. Catch I should listen on. to the show every once in listen a while. To the rest. I think. Yeah, listen yeah. to the show. All right. And ha- get, happy, get, a, get a musical show. Yeah. Happy, happy football season. It's here. Let's go. Okay. Episode 205, ladies and gentlemen, in the books.